Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, July the 1st, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm in the house with Steve Say. What's up? Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And very special guest, Ms. Carolyn Coca. Hello. Thank you, Carolyn, for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're, we're honored to have you on the show. Um, I almost called you Carolyn Coke because <laughs> of the conversation we were just having about your screen name. Which is Care Coke. Yeah, so very I'm, creative. So I'm glad that I I was able to my brain to work and go to that next circuit Thank to you. get me in there. Um, my father's family thanks. You. <laughs> uh, Stephanie is not with us. She is moving today, moving to her new apartment. So uh, she will not be joining us, but she shall be back next week. Milestones. Milestones. Yes, exactly. Um, we won't be obviously. This is our last show before the Fourth of July. So happy Fourth to everyone who lives in America. And to America itself, happy birthday. <laughs> um, I still remember the first year we did this, we're talking about 4th of July, and I don't remember which limey listener it was It said that we had weak beer in, in America. That's absolutely oh, not true. That used to be true. I think that was Sarah. Was it Sarah? Uh, I think it was Sarah. Was Sarah? Yep. I think it was definitely Sarah yep. or Repstones or somebody. Maybe both. Maybe both. We have very strong beer here. Very good beer as well. Well, when we had Sarah here, we gave her better beer it's true prove that there's american beer of quality did Still. we warm it up first oh no <laughs> no i filled my fridge with all sorts of interesting stuff british people are crazy having cold beer it's crazy it's crazy 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 um but yeah so we are here so no news broke obviously today at all <laughs> uh 45 of of the 60 marvel books that will be making up its post secret wars lineup uh, have all leaked and now kind of officially been uh, announced. Um, uh, it leaked. We weren't going to talk about those books before because they were only leaked on one website and we weren't going to talk about the books uh, leaked on that website. Uh, but uh, CBR picked it up th- this week, uh, today, actually, when we we're recording this. And then the uh, the images also leaked. Um, somebody dumped the entire kind of special Marvel previews that has all of the... It, all mm-hmm. of the uh, the new books coming out in October, or most of them at least coming out in October, um, on the internet. So we have images for all of them, and we have all the creative teams, and uh, we're going to talk about the books, the teams, what it means for Marvel, what we, our theories about what that means for the end of Secret Wars, yada, yada, yada. Um, and of course, because it's talking comics, we'll get into a discussion about the, the politics of the, of, the, yes. of the whole thing as well. <laughs> um, so now For those who want to play along at home, that previews should be in your stores today? Yeah, it should. Yeah, it should. It was due last week, but yeah. it got pushed. I, mean, I don't know how they possibly could have thought that it wasn't going to leak. Yeah, once you had the books in people's hands. Yeah. You said that so many retailers, somebody's going to scan it and put it online. 
you know, you, it's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I got to imagine. I mean, I, I guess they probably didn't mind as much because it wasn't going to be such a big, high-profile announcement. It's something like San Diego where you're getting like everybody up on stage and everyone's looking at you. You're released, really releasing a book with all the minute, and so it was. It was going to kind of come out in, in weird ways, and I'm sure. I mean, we saw already with the Spider-Man book and a couple other ones that obviously stories that were meant to run probably tomorrow had to run today, um, being Tuesday when we're recording Mm -hmm. this, because they just had to go. They probably had him sitting there in the back end of their websites and were like, shit. And they had to contact Marvel (laughs) and be like, can we just post this, please? Because everyone's already talking about it and we're losing whatever exclusivity we were supposed to have on this announcement. So, um, yeah, we'll talk about all those stuff. We'll run down all the books, talk about what we're excited for, stuff like that. Um, But yeah, it uh, it was nice to have it. I was worried that it was not all going to leak until tomorrow, or at least it wasn't going to leak at all and then come out tomorrow. And then, of course, we have to wait till next week to talk about it. But <laughs> that is the way of things. Wednesday has turned into Newsday. Yeah, it's true. I was at a store this afternoon and they were looking through the book. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I saw the previews mm. issue like, on the shelves last Wednesday at Heroes and. I didn't even think to pick it up. Well, that was no, that was the, uh, that was the real regular previews. Okay, the, the Marvel released like a special, just Marvel, Ooh, like yeah. post Secret Wars book, fan sixty pages of fanciness. Yeah, because we're because what it's it's I guess it's July. I guess it is three months for, till October. Mm-hmm. I guess so. I guess that would be ordering time for those things. I thought it was early, but it's not. Um, More fun for the stores. Yeah. <laughs> How do we sort out this whole <laughs> yeah. set of stuff now? Uh, it's got to be easier than what it's been like for Secret Wars. Uh, oh, every retailer I've talked to is up in arms, pulling their hair out, ulcers, drinking. <laughs> how do you order, no matter how many emails you send out to customers, they don't really know. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be the book I want to read? And what are the drop numbers, one to two? Yeah. No formula. None. And there was like that two-week period where Convergence and Secret Wars was going on at the same time. And I know Rob had said it was a nightmare. Because no, for both of them... There, there was no analog. It wasn't yep. like if you're reading, uh, you know, if you're reading Spider-Man, you definitely want to read this book because it's going to be just like Spider-Man because there's both Spider-Verse and Renew Your Vows. So which one are you reading? Which one do you want to read? It really depends on you, but you don't, you're not going to know that until it gets into yeah. your hands at, at a certain point. You know, there's no like this is the Avengers book for Secret Wars. So people are just kind of out in the, the water, you know, trying to figure out what to do. So uh, and they still have rent to pay and salaries to pay and yeah. taxes, and it's what. <laughs> When you hear, when you really speak to some of these people, they know to the dollar what an average month would be, mm-hmm. and the summer events or annuals they they play around that, but it turns into well, I make twice my money back. It's Keystone markup, so I if I have a thousand dollars in books, mm. I make two thousand dollars that then goes toward this and this, and then it's back issues and trades and where. But okay, here's my base that'll pay the bills. Well, this month you may have seven hundred dollars in pre-orders. Yeah. I, I, then what do you do? <laughs> don't eat I, eat <laughs> comics I don't know <laughs> definitely yeah yeah eat, uh, eat all your extra copies of the death and return of Superman yeah <laughs> <laughs> and they're all still they're in bags they're, they're still fresh yes, yeah they're still wrapped yeah. in plastic with that black cover because you don't want to know what happens in that book <laughs> Uh, but I, I was at a, a comic shop I've never been to before this past weekend um, in Troy, New York and they had two copies of X-Men number one Really? Yeah, wow. for four dollars and fifty cents each. Wow! <laughs> oh wow! I know. I almost wanted to buy it just because it was so cheap, but I felt kind of I didn't really need to read it, seeing as I had just read it <laughs> out of the archives. So. Yeah, yeah. How many covers did I have? I forget. You had them all. I had them all. Sucker. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carolyn, what have you been up to? Well, um, not reading new comics. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Um, I've been writing a book. 
about female superheroes. All right. Should be done at the end of the summer. It's called Superwomen, and hopefully it will be out uh, in the later part of the fall. Awesome. So that's entailed a lot of reading lots of books from 1940s to the present, including <laughs> the letter columns. Uh, and so kind of doing really deep dives on specific characters and character families over the last several months. Nice. Yeah, so I mean, it's fun. Yeah. It's definitely fun. But your brain starts to buzz after a while. Mm. You're starting to feel like you know these people because you've now <laughs> followed them through uh, 50 years of things that they've done. And, you know, your own family is kind of distant. And you have to make sure to get some perspective. Have you been researching? <laughs> Who? Who? Yeah. Well, there's, um, there's a chapter on Wonder Woman. Um, Barbara Gordon, both as Batgirl and Oracle. So that would include Birds of Prey and the other Batgirls. Um, a chapter on ex-women. I had to narrow that down. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of them. Yeah. Um, chapter on Star Wars, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel. And that would include old Ms. Marvel and Monica Rambeau as well. Nice. Nice. Um, so obviously you're an academic. I'm a political scientist. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you, are you, how, what's your approach to writing the book? You know, like how... What's kind of like your your tone, your tenor? Is it very academic? Is it more, do you have like a, obviously not a narrative, but do you have kind of like a narrative style to it? Or how do, how do you put it together? That is the plan. I mean, for professionally speaking, I have to, um, I have to write in a very academic kind of way mm -hmm. for peer-reviewed journals, right. um, which is a place where you're supposed to publish uh, because peer review is very important when you're an academic. When you come to writing books, your first book, uh, which is probably the dissertation you wrote getting your PhD. Your first book generally has to be very academic and jargony as well. But when you get to the point of having tenure <laughs> in your, <laughs> and you're secure in the department in which you work and you're not planning to leave anytime soon, then that gives you a whole lot more leeway. I also am in a very interdisciplinary department, so it's not just all social science and all quantitative all the time. People mm. are, are pretty broad in what they do. So, yes, I'm a political scientist. There's politics in it. There's gender studies in it. There's media and communications type studies in it. But my goal is to, if anybody, if anybody listening has ever read any articles that I've written, the book should not be like those. <laughs> um, it'll be, they'll have many more uh, plot summaries and sort of hitting highlights of these characters' journeys, what they look like, why they looked the way they did at certain times, why they were written the way they were at certain times and how it's changed over time, how the audience has changed over time, how the direct market is sort of changing with di digitization. So I'm going to try to put that all together in a way that's fun to read. That's the goal. Mm. Hopefully I can meet it. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Um, <clears throat> what's it like writing a book? Like, I, I, I just, like, it's always, I, you know, I went to school for writing, so it's always an idea I had in my head, you know, but I don't know what it really takes to do it like what what is that like what does it do to your life to write a book well different people do it in different ways um i think some people procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate and then they write a couple of pages at 11 o'clock at night um i i guess the way that i do it is i have ideas sit in my head for a pretty long time and then it all just kind of vomits out onto a page <laughs> like i can <laughs> i can write a few thousand words a day know like wow. two oh, awesome. like two to five thousand depending on how much time I have so um, the way I do it is I sit down and I sit still and I keep going until I'm hungry and that hmm. is totally not 
normal. That's not the way that most people do it. It's just the way that I do it because I feel like once I get going, I'm going to keep going. Mm -hmm. What becomes difficult is that somewhere in the middle, you might have a tiny question in the back of your mind and then to go chase it down takes three days. Mm. Or when you start to chase it down, you then find that 40 people have written articles kind of about that thing, maybe not exactly on topic, but you better read them because you don't want to not cite them and you don't want to get it totally wrong. So there are a lot of dark alleyways that you go down and you have to sort of slowly back yourself out and remember the main point of what you were trying to do. Mm. So um, I like it because I don't mind being alone. Some people have great difficulty with the with the sitting still and um, with the uh, not talking, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a pretty solitary kind of thing. So I, I think that anybody can do it. And you should just accept that there are different ways to do it. Yeah. Um, but the the main gist is you had just have to keep going and going and going and going. Mm-hmm. Well, and what kind of writer are you? Do you kind of, are you very like, let me get it all down and then I'll go back and try to edit down. I'll try, I'll, I'll tweak there. Or are you very precious about like every sentence that you write? Um, I guess it depends on what it is. If mm-hmm. it, if it's a more academic type thing, you have to be precious because they'll, tear you to shreds right if you use the wrong word mm-hmm. in that sentence then you've now just started a huge debate um and so that can be a real issue so in that case it's a real problem for this i found that i'm just putting down everything i can think of within a certain frame and then i'll go back and edit it down later all right nice i look forward to uh, seeing the finished product well thanks i'm sorry yeah. if that was a very long explanation no. but how it's the same way that all of you write for the site just mm. longer yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of dedication. <laughs> It'll be about a hundred thousand words. Wow, it takes a lot Ooh. of dedication. That's almost as long as one of Bob's articles. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> I have to, or, I write, or emails. Yeah, yeah. Or emails. Yeah, yeah I, I write one of those and go take a nap. <laughs> I, when I'm uh, when I'm editing something, um, video wise, that I I have to in order to like get through a section without distracting myself, I have to like make deals with myself. I'm like, if you finish. When you finish this thing, you can, you know, check, look at your phone. And you look at this thing, you can go get a snack. When you finish this thing, and that's how I kind of drive myself to finish things. Because if not, there's just so much stuff that can distract you at any one second. Mm -hmm. Like everything in my life can distract me for an Mm -hmm. hour without me even realizing it, you know? So I need to do that. I need to be very strict with myself to already make deals with myself. Email makes it a lot worse than Mm -hmm. it used to be, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Then there's like internet blockers and stuff you can get for like your computer when when, when you're doing stuff. But it's like- (laughs) Can't do it because I'll have to look something up. That's true, yeah, yeah. I'm like, or I can just turn it off. Like it's not like, it's not that big of a deal. It's it's like one more button press than it is. I guess it's like the psychological aspect of I'm turning this off so I can- break my own rule so i guess it's that one extra step so i guess it's supposed to kind of stop you from doing it but it would never stop me from doing it plus i have like 18 devices around me that can go on the internet so oh oh, my computer can't go on the internet let me just pick up my phone or if i had that apple i look at my watch like it's everything can go on the internet at this point to unplug my router from the the wall (laughs) and make it happen so what happens to me i go down those dark alleys it'll be okay wait i need to say something about this while i'm doing this and that turns into, well, that just contradicted something I wrote. So that whole paragraph, I'll erase. Mm-hmm. I'll get mad. I should, I should have done this first. I don't like that. And then it starts into, well, oh, that sentence wasn't good anyway, so mm-hmm. who cares? And then start over again and then start backing away. So now what I've taken to doing is actually writing my ideas down. We, we use WordPress for mm-hmm. our, our essays. And to avoid losing my threads for later, I actually post little sentences, notes to myself Oh, yeah. In the mm-hmm. draft to yeah, say, yeah. I have to go here, I have to go mm-hmm. here, and to try to create the structure. 
Yeah. Because yeah. what I'm really bad about is sentences. Mm. I will go over the it's thing. It's an important part of writing. <laughs> but they need to have a very particular rhythm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, for it to feel like I wrote it, I want a certain thing. And that means Oxford commas and all sorts of other stupid stuff that nobody uses anymore. And hyphens and semicolons. And then I get sick of myself looking at it. Mm-hmm. The, the third or fourth time through, I don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. You know I never want to write anything. <laughs> You're you. You should never be your own editor. I mean, you can do it to a point, but if you really want something something to go through, like with a fine tooth comb, mm-hmm. have somebody else look yeah, at that's it. That's probably right. Because if you're reading it three and four times, uh, chances are you're going to miss something because you've just looked at it so much that you're just blowing over. Oh, stuff. I miss the simplest ones. Yeah, uh, the word "the" will be there twice in a row, <laughs> and I'll, I'll post it. I'll publish the thing, and oh, I, I didn't see that. I did not see that. Yeah, I've been learning quite a bit about uh, editing in the past uh, couple of weeks. Just by itself, it's been a bit of a journey, mm. for sure. I love editing stuff because like, I think I'm very good at seeing what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, obviously it's much easier to see what doesn't work than to build something from, from nothing. Uh, but I do love going through stuff and working with writers to like help make the piece better. You know, I think that's a really fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, well, Maria Norris took my uh, oh, yeah. human rights piece. She asked for a thousand words. Mm-hmm. Well, my first draft was three thousand. <laughs> so, well, I think I can cut it down some. Yeah, maybe we can run it in two parts or something. <laughs> she, you'd think she'd have savaged it and made it fourteen hundred, mm-hmm. and didn't lose the thread of it. Whatever took my conclusion and made it the opening. And I went, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do the director's cut, but I'm stealing some of those. I hope mm-hmm. you don't mind. I'm taking some of your edits because they were just so brilliant. Yeah. And it was just looking at it differently. You're saying, Steve, from the outside in, yeah. it seemed much different. It was like, that's a great idea, but you said that twice. Yeah. Everybody should have an editor. It's just, it's the way that it, my, my girlfriend edits all my stuff. It doesn't, mm-hmm. like, for Joe Blow and everything, nothing goes up unless she's looked at it first. Yeah. 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 Car- Carolyn's helped me, I can't tell you how many times, over, over things where she, <laughs> no, that's not exactly right. You could, <laughs> you could do that better. You could do this. And it's always, always paid off. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, too. You've read a number of things that I've written. You're not quite critical enough. But thank you. <laughs> no, no, it's true. You can send it to me. I'll be very critical. Fine, I'll do it. <laughs> Let me know when you're ready. I've got, I've got eighty thousand ready to go. I mean, I find like that's like the only way that you'll really learn. Mm-hmm. You know, like we could say that we're writers and stuff like that, but people are always learning. I'm learning new stuff every week. Yeah. You know, from editing people's stuff and from writing my own, and just other writers are your influence and all that stuff. It's a, it's a constantly growing talent. Yes. So. Yeah, you know, never be too hard on yourself, and don't be afraid to have other people give you some uh, suggestions. Yeah, it's yeah. not, and it's not fun. Uh, we're not trying to to soft sell being no. edited. Nobody enjoys it, and I, I, I invariably my first reaction is when someone's saying something isn't clear or why don't you talk about this? I feel like I did do that. I said that. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, if this person is asking, obviously I didn't do it. And I need to figure out where I can do it in order to make it good. But making a conclusion and introduction is a pretty common thing. Yeah. We all tend to save the good thing for last Mm -hmm. because we want to leave people with the really important thing. But very often opening with it is probably better. Yeah, the mic drop, exactly. (laughs) Well, what I'll do is like when I, when I'd write a review, I would always write, because I'd read I'd read something I had to review and I, I would have a paragraph in my head already about something I had to say. So I'd write that paragraph first, whether it be in the middle, the beginning, the end, wherever it would be. And then I'd use it. I'd, I'd go like through points. I'd write down first all points down, you know, um, you know, 
Batman gets, you know, lo- loses his, you know, runs into the Court of Owls here. You know, what does that mean for the character? What does this mean that it might be his brother? All that kind of, and all that stuff down. And I'll write like, you know, there's little like little like one liner like like you know impressions like this the art here did this or whatever and then i'll go through and i'll turn those into full paragraphs but what always happens to me inevitably is i'll write the thing i'll read the beginning of the review and i'll be like you didn't because in my in my brain the way i want to write a review is you read the first paragraph of a review and every kind of point you're going to hit in the entire review is kind of somewhere in there you know you're kind of summarizing what your whole review is going to be about in the first paragraph because look people have very short intention spans when they're reading online they should really be able to read the first paragraph and the last paragraph and get the idea of what your review is. I've actually referenced that in my own review sometimes. I know you're all going to skip ahead anyway, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you should buy this. Yeah, the yeah. middle is really just color. The middle is like, here, if you really want to know like the details mm-hmm. of why I like or dislike something, you know, go ahead and um, like you can read through it. But this, if you read the first paragraph and the last paragraph, you can understand why this book is good and, and, and why you should buy it. But I definitely always have to go back to that first paragraph and seed the things in from the rest of the review back into the first paragraph. Yeah, it is the most important part. And I think uh, um, another thing to keep in mind, too, is that it, ideally, yes, you can pick up any piece and read the first paragraph and the last paragraph. Mm. And then if you want more detail but not a ton more detail, you should then go be able to go through and read the first and last sentence of each paragraph mm-hmm. without reading the full paragraph if you want. Yeah, And I think a lot of us don't, think about that and we think of paragraphs as bleeding into each other but people don't always have time to no. read that that building up of what you're trying to say mm-hmm. so yeah think about those key sentences yeah and one of the biggest thing about reviewing comic books i always tell people who you know a lot of times someone will send you a review like a uh, like first time they're writing a review second time review and the review will be nearly as long as it takes to read the book itself yeah i'm like you have to understand like it takes you 15 minutes to read this book you shouldn't have a 4,000 word 3,000 word review <laughs> it's just it's not like you should be able to, it should be pretty very short, really. I mean, you should probably you should get like, it should be less than a thousand words, definitely. You know, for the most part. And um, if you're reviewing one single issue of a book, you know, you should be able to get your point across because people are going to read it and then they're just going to move on. Like they're not, they don't want to sit there for like a dissertation. If you want to write a column about it, that's where that's where all of that really detail and really diving in goes. But you mm-hmm. shouldn't be breaking it down line by line. You shouldn't be you know getting too deep into story explanations. You should just be going like. This is why the book is good and why the book is or the book is not good. Not like here's everything that happened in the book, which is yeah. uh, which is always a danger. I think with every writer. I mean, I, we've I, all done it. I, yeah. I've done it plenty of times myself. When, when you're stumped with what to write, when you feel like that block, you're like, let me just write about the plot a little bit, you know, because that's already it's already created. So if I just it just fills in, you know, makes it look good. But that's the last thing you should really be doing, you know. So yeah, it's a it's a give and take. Writing writing sometimes is like is like bashing my head against a, a rock you know it's like sometimes <laughs> i feel like i have to bash and bash until like it falls apart and there's like a less crappy looking rock underneath it that i <laughs> that i feel comfortable putting out and sometimes it's 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 a ton of fun and it's it just it, it flows out and it goes and it, and, it, and it feels great but sometimes it's just like i just yeah. i'm like this is the worst why am i even doing this is is a constant thought that comes into my head in the yeah. middle of writing what, what was i thinking has yeah. gone through my head many times yeah. in the last few months <laughs> i've written things that took me a half hour sometimes mm. and they look at every bit as crafted as the one that took me three days mm-hmm. you wouldn't you couldn't know right. which yeah. was which yeah uh i wrote that she hulk piece long long ago that mm. went all over the place yeah. it just it just started to get goofy and Steve helped me by, he found an image that we could take print off of and just have her ripping through the page. And mm-hmm. it was, okay, I'm going here and just, just go crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it, everything just, every mm-hmm. word just, it was, it came from out of the air somewhere. Mm-hmm. And other times I look at that blank computer and there's a cursor. <laughs> it just never moves. Yeah. It just, 
I write a sentence or two and go get a cup of coffee mm-hmm. or I'll go read a book or it's just, oh, who yeah. cares? It's shut it off. Start again. Yeah. That's why I always write that thing that I know I want to write first because uh-huh. I, I just want to get that blank page away because yeah. it's too intimidating to look at a blank page because yeah. you're because it's just you—you you don't know where to start. It's like—it's like when you're—I I compare it to when you're moving, right? And you like—you move all these boxes into your like your new room, and if you have to think about like how is the whole room gonna be set up from all these boxes in your room, you're gonna go crazy. Yeah. Just set—just pick a corner, and how you, that you know you want to look a certain way, and just set up that corner, and and then. Mm-hmm. It just moves out from there, and that's what I, how I try to do it with, with the writing the review. He's talking to you, Stephanie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Segway. Yeah. Um, She'll never hear the advice. Yeah. <laughs> the advice. Contrastly, I, I have no idea. I've never talked about his process before, but I'm sure he's listening. Joey Pacino, who writes for the site. Yeah. Like, he works as a teacher, works every day. He's a beast. Even when, he, I mean, right now he's off from school, obviously, but even when he's in school, like, he'll, he'll take four reviews, and he'll have them done by, like, Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand how you write them so quickly. A, when you have time to write them. <laughs> how are they so good? And how are they so good? It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it's one of those things where I feel, I feel so much like jealous anger about how quickly he writes the reviews <laughs> and how good they are. <laughs> but everybody's different. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Everybody's process is different. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it, it's so easy to look at someone and say, oh, it's easy for them. Mm-hmm. It isn't necessarily easy. Mm-hmm. They might be tearing their hair out. Um, it just looks easy because we always think the grass is greener. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, so Joey. so anybody yeah, out there great. who loves to write, uh, yeah. your process is probably perfectly valid. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I get his emails whenever I send out like the review mm. stuff, and he just like he lists like, oh, I could I could take care of these like four or five books. <laughs> I just sit in my chair and I just give him a salute, <laughs> and I'm like, you do what you want, man. <laughs> you got this. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, I, I love writing. It's just sometimes it can be a real pain in the ass. <laughs> Well, you're your you're your own worst critic, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like you want to be entertained by yourself mm-hmm. while getting the information out. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes yeah. some days you have, and some days you don't. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And, and some days you you th- you think you have gold, and you read it over the next day, and oh, you yeah. and you kind of go, you're just like uh, bored now, yeah. reading your yeah. own words, yeah. and like, okay, this has to go. Yeah. But I think it's important to get it down, even if you're writing that paragraph that you know you're not going to like later. Keep it, move it to the end. Mm-hmm. You might need yeah. it. Someone yeah. uh, once told me a good rule for people that like to to get a little loopy when they're writing, mm-hmm. and it's uh, what was it? Write, write high, edit sober. <laughs> <laughs> so where's the loop? Like, it's like writing down a dream. Yeah. <laughs> what is that in the morning? I, yeah. Get it all out and then go back and and you know retread and and see what you've got mm. and analyze it from there and and then you know hopefully you can cobble a few pieces from it and be happy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing good, Bobby. You you got you left us early last week. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. I got I got two small stories for you before we get to the comic stuff. So the reason why uh, I was in and out of the podcast last week is because we had a huge storm in Canada. Lightning, thunder, you name it. Wh- whoever was up there was pissed <laughs> that that night. Uh, Batman had just come out. I was playing it for like maybe an hour and fifteen minutes, and all of a sudden, snap! Everything goes, and I'm like. I hope my PS4 didn't just get fried, Canada. <laughs> so I decided to go to sleep, and I must have been sleeping for like 45 minutes. I'm in the bed with my girlfriend, all of a sudden we hear doof, 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 on the door, and we're like, what the hell? Like, that's disorienting. When mm. you're in the middle of the night, thunderstorm, she has all skylights in her bedroom and living room, so this whole, the whole house is alive with lightning, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm like, we're going to die. Like, I'm going to open this door, and we're going to get knifed, and somebody's like, you know, taking advantage of the storm and is going to rob us. Turns out that her downstairs neighbor, the basement apartment, was flooding, 
and the machine that pumps the sewage line broke. Oh, oh God. And the sewage was coming up ah. into her apartment. So her and her dog, uh, her husband was at work and was about an hour away, and she needed a phone because she didn't have the, the landlord's number. And, uh, like, all the phones were dead. Everything was dead. We finally got in touch with some people. But the point being, she, she stayed until 7 o'clock in the morning. And Rowan had work the next day, and we stayed up with her all oh night. Ooh. And, oh, it was, it was horrendous. It was so horrendous. But long story short, um, the internet, all that stuff comes from downstairs. Mm. So the connection was poor, yeah. to say the most, <laughs> yeah. uh, that day. So that's why I was in and out. Um, I never got to share my thoughts on the book of the week. I thought it was cool. We yeah. can move on. <laughs> uh, what was the book of the week? The fiction, was? right? The fiction. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, yeah. I, I did. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Like you said, it reminded me of like a Stephen King joint mm -hmm. or, or something like that. And uh had elements of a couple of other things that I really enjoyed. But one of the big moments of my week last week <laughs> was, okay, so my friend drops me off at JFK Airport. And I go in and I like I fly all the time, right? Because I'm always going back and forth to Canada. So I know the drill. But it just so happened that this time I had a lot of stuff with me. I had a carry-on bag. I had my backpack with my PS4 and like a bunch of books in it and all this stuff. And my laptop bag and everything. And I have a, an open drink in my hand. And I'm trying to manage getting out my license and my boarding pass while juggling all of this stuff. And, of course, I drop my drink on the floor in the middle of the line right next to the guy who checks your, your boarding <laughs> pass. And this woman comes up behind me and she's like finicking and like backing up and pacing. And I'm like, I'm like, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'm sorry. Like, I'll be I'll be done. In a minute. She's like, would you mind if I just go past you? You're making me very paranoid right now. <laughs> and, I'm, and I was like, Sure. Okay, I didn't realize that, you know, like my my moment is uh is causing you such distress. By all means, go ahead. So she she goes, as she brushes past me, she knocks down my luggage. So uh -oh. my luggage falls on the ground and I'm like, "Ah." I pick up my drink. Not a lot spilled. It was okay. It looked like still like a little baby might have peed on the floor for a little bit. It's fine. So you know, when you're down on the ground and you're you're coming up and you're kind of like you're just your field of vision scans the person behind yeah. you. So I'm getting up and I'm like, oh shoes, oh hairy legs, beige pants, you know, shorts, wonderful. And I'm looking up and I'm looking up and looking up and all of a sudden I just like my breath catches and my eyes go wide and it's Joss Whedon <laughs> with his family standing right behind me and I'm just like <laughs> like my like my mouth is open and nobody's like nobody's bothering him nobody's saying anything and I didn't want to be that guy so I decided just to like get a glance get my stuff and move on and I'm picking up my stuff and he's like one of those afternoons huh and I'm Aww. like it's all good now man <laughs> and I had like he puts his bag down and he goes to shake my hand because he could see that obviously I was like in awe <laughs> and so he shakes my hand and he's he's like you know where are you going and I said I'm going to uh to Buffalo to visit my girlfriend he's like I hope you have a really good trip and I was like and I leaned in and I'm like listen I was like you know you're here with your family and I don't want to cause a scene for you I was like I just want to thank you for all of your creativity I really enjoyed a lot of your projects <laughs> and now I'm going to go away <laughs> and that's going to be it and we're all you're going to have a safe trip and you're going to have a good time wherever you're going and and that's all I'm awesome like, and so you know just really nice guy and whatever I got through security and as I, as I was leaving security I saw him again I'm like I did one of those like you know head nod up like yeah. you know, hey what's going We're on buds now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and he, he raises his hand and he waves to me and i'm like <laughs> so uh it was really cool 
it was really cool. His son has the same propensity for funny hats that he does. <laughs> so he was very stylish that day. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, super nice guy. Recognized him right away. He's definitely one of the... I don't usually, like, bug out when it comes to, to meeting people. The only people that I've ever really lost it over have been uh, Robert England and probably Joss Whedon are the two people that I really went out on. But... um. Just really nice of him to to take a moment. I think he was also trying to kind of like quell the situation in case I lost my mind on him. But uh, I went through the security thing and I was like, that's the director of the Avengers movies. And he didn't give a shit. (laughs) So that moment was just for me. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, very nice man. And uh, it was a, it was a really cool moment for me. I immediately got on my phone. I was like, oh my <laughs> yeah. god!" But didn't take his picture with your phone while you nope. were standing. That's great. No, nope. that's very respectful. No, nope. I didn't do anything creepy. I, I <laughs> just you know, nice handshake, quick like fifteen second interaction of just you know, I really appreciate a lot of your stuff, and I will be I'll you know I'll be on my way. This has been awesome. I'll see you. And uh, yeah, no, nobody was bothering him. He was kind of he was with his family. Mm. You know, they were in a rush. Everybody was kind of you know struggling in that line. I didn't want to make a scene for him and draw attention where he didn't need it. I so. think every time you go to the airport, you're going to have to spill your drink. Yeah, right? Because <laughs> you never know. Really, you cut to like the, this is what happened in Steve's mind because of security footage and Steve's really just standing there shaking, yeah. like staring yeah. at him. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so funny because I was Joss like... Joss Whedon's version is different. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I got, I got, like I got off to the side once I was through security and I'm on my phone and I'm thinking back and I'm like, did I act as calm and cool (laughs) as I think I did? And I'm going through the whole experience in my head and I'm like, I'm actually, I did all right. Like I did. Okay. I'm Mm -hmm. like, good job, man. I'm I'm texting my girlfriend. She's like, get out of here. Yeah. He probably like, I would probably say that probably he doesn't get, he probably doesn't get directors more now than he ever has, Mm -hmm. but he's still like a director and stuff like that. So I'm sure like it only, he knows when somebody recognizes him that that it's like somebody who was like a, a a fan, you know, somebody's a little bit more, Hardcore than like the you know the normal because it's not like a movie star yeah. where you just recognize his face. Well, he's like you know well, one of those afternoons, huh? And like I could have said anything, and I'm like, well, not now. And I was like, nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But um, no, it was just it was it was really super cool, and I recognized him. I mean, right oh, away. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Right away, there was no yeah. like you know, K scan, scan, scan. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, are yeah. you who I think you are? Yeah. yeah, like don't drop your drink again, man. Don't drop it on his <laughs> shoes, knowing you. <laughs> So anyway, so that was really cool. That was the start of my uh, my most recent trip to Canada to go spend time with uh, Bronwyn. Nice. Yeah, it was a good time. Nice. All right. So when's he going to be on the show? I yeah. did not give him a card. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good, though, honestly. You had a, you had a moment. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I, I'm going to be that guy. Yeah. Like, hey, Joss, you know, <laughs> we're, we're in the same business, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I got what you need. This is really going to help you. Yeah, I would have yeah. loved if you had said that to him. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the same business. We helped Scott Snyder get where he is yeah, today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was awesome. It was good times. Awesome. Awesome. All right, let's talk about some comic books. Huh? No. No? All right, we're going to talk about something else then. Well, Bob's going to talk about comic books. Ah. He has a very short lightning round, don't you? No. It'll be two minutes and 46 seconds. Is that whole pile lightning round? Nope. Just these little ones on the top. Yeah. You only only read two new books, right? We'll talk about about both of them. (laughs) All right, you have three minutes, Bob, and go. We start with Howard the Duck number five, and in this one, Howard goes to Doctor Strange for help in locating one of the gems that form the power source for one of the great, well, kind of great weapons, the Abundant Glove, which is almost (laughs) as good as the Infinity Gauntlet. 
Can the duck and the duck find it before it falls into the hands of Talos the Tamed, the non-shape-shifting scroll? I don't know. But there's also a lovely second short, very short story, which is also Chip Zdarsky and Katie Cook, mm-hmm. that's entitled Logic and Proportion that has little of either, but sure is a lot of fun. <laughs> there's Batgirl 41, which is, of course, our usual team except Babstar on full art this time around. Mm-hmm. And this issue addresses the new sheriff in town in the form of the new robotic Batman, as well as picking up and weaving new threads into the algorithm story arc from Secret Origins 10 and Batgirl 39 and 40. As both this new armored Batman and Barbara arrive at the site of a bizarre ritual being held in the home of the transcendent Mother Electric. Hmm. We don't know where that's going to go. Great, great characterizations, dialogue, support a really fun story with some lovely twists. And Babstar's art is really, really super here. It's, it's great to see it unleashed in a way for the first time. And let me just mention that the issue's guest spot, which is Leslie Wells' Livewire, who is originally from the Superman animated series, was also introduced to comics in Action 835 by Gail Simone and John Byrne. The more you know. The more you know. See, you need to know these things. Uh, Finishing up, it's Grant Morrison's Steed and Mrs. Peel from Eclipse Comics back in 1990-92. It took three years, basically, to get out three issues of books and it's only two stories. But the recent passing at age 93, Patrick Knee, uh, it just seemed a great time to revisit this. And between Morrison's story and Ian Gibson's really quirky sort of fashion-y art, sort of like a Felipe Andre kind of thing, you get the requisite diabolical masterminds, clever characterizations, lovely chemistry between the leads. And it, it, it's hard to capture the spirit of John Steed and Emma Peel on the page. And we saw that done very well by Mark Wade, And here happens once again. It's just really a lot of fun. And there's also a short little backup story where you see Mr. Peel. Hmm. We only saw for about two seconds. In the last Diana Rigg episode that crosses over Linda Thorson. So that's Steed and Mrs. Peel. It's been reprinted as comics and it came out as the Golden Game as a trade paperback just in 2014. That's it for me. Did I get 246? No, you were at 240. Oh! Oh, <laughs> fail. Epic fail. <laughs> um, it's not the first time, though, the Avengers, these Avengers were in comic books in 1968 from Gold Key. <laughs> And there it is. And there it is, with a, a lovely photo cover. Um, I, I was I didn't know that Patrick had, had passed away. I, uh, Sarah Miles uh, mm. emailed me and then apologized for being the bearer of bad news. <laughs> but I met him once uh, at a Forbidden Planet signing. He signed my, my book here. And he was every bit the gentleman and gentleman you'd expect. He was just absolutely lovely and charming. And so good time for those of People I've, I've talked about as we had the other series come out over the years, uh, definitely people should take a fond look back at that TV show from mm-hmm. its from its 50-year-ago past now. But it's still <laughs> very good. So that's it. Sorry, I went over now. Now See? you went over. Now I went over. Double fail. Double fail. <laughs> that um that Hellfire Club episode that we've watched at your place is yeah. awesome. So I would yep. if, if anybody's like cold or blind to it, I would recommend that episode specifically yeah. to get you warmed up to the show. It had a lot of great stuff in yeah. it. Yeah, it's called A Touch of Brimstone, and it's where... Chris Claremont and John Byrne got their Hellfire Club. It's a real thing from the 1700s, borrowed by uh, Brian Clemens, uh, who did the television show, wrote that episode, and turned into the Black Queen is Emma Peel, who did the White Queen and Emma Frost, and that's where her name comes from. It's all it's all mashed together. <laughs> the movie, uh, 
this wonderful things to say about, but I, I don't know, opinions around the room about the... What, the Sean Connery and with Thurman movie? Yeah. Um, I remember Ray it not Fiennes. being very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Any movie that has Sean Connery dressed as a giant teddy bear, I think is kind of cool. <laughs> I might be the... I liked it. I yeah. did too. I and it. I'm a huge fan of the original. My take on it was this. It, it, it had about 40 minutes cut out of it. They decided a lot of things didn't work. If you thought it didn't work as 90 <laughs> at, at 130... It was not a typical American action movie. It was goofy and strange and weird. And if it wasn't what the television show was, it didn't have that charm. It tried to be something different mm-hmm. and failed miserably. Yeah. Uh, what year did that come out? 97, 98? Yeah, 98? I saw it once when I was like 15 or whatever. And like that's the last time that I ever watched it. Because I worked in a video store and it like came in the video store. I, re- I took it home. I watched it. And I was like, I don't like this. And then I just, that was it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's all I remember about it. Uh, and that, and I remember the tr- the trailer for it had Uma Thurman saying "How now, yeah. brown cow?" with an English accent. I remember yes. that vividly for some yes. reason. Yeah, it was in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. that, that's a whole scene that that was cut out. Mm, okay. Actually. Yeah. At one point, Mel Gibson had, had the rights and was going to star. Oh, really? And decided to do Maverick instead. Well, that's a good choice. I yeah, love I Maverick. think so. Yeah, it's a great movie. So <laughs> he, I think he definitely was more suited to play Maverick yeah. than Steed. That's 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 how I want to remember Mel Gibson. Which is why, which is why I'm so angry at him for being such a weirdo. Um, because, yeah. like, that's how I like. That's how when I, I pictured Mel Gibson as a person, like my whole life was like the, how he is in Maverick, like kind of roguish, but like kind of you know still a yeah. nice guy. Like in the end, you know. And then he was just a crazy person. <laughs> I pretty much picture Lethal Weapon, like kind of as if yeah. it's in amber, and then that's yeah, it. yeah. But it turns out he kind of is like the guy in Lethal Weapon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On edge. He just yells yeah. <laughs> more offensive things when he's angry instead of just like breaking his own arm or whatever. <laughs> so that's kind of accurate, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we're talking about comic books. So Batgirl was very good. I loved yeah. Batgirl. I think it was my favorite issue so far. Really? Of the run? Of the run the so far. Run? Of the new run so far. Um, I loved her art. I think, you know, obviously she's been doing the, like the penciling the whole time, but he's been doing the layouts mm-hmm. of it. Um and it definitely feels different. You know, it has a different sense to it. Like the, the the background work is different. All that kind of stuff is different. But I think it works uh, very well. The, the the character shapes or something is a little bit more um, exaggerated. You know, like the, the one of those first panels of Batgirl, like her head is like very big and like oddly oval. You know, it's just. Um, but it's done for an effect, obviously, because she's kind of she's kind of like hiding behind a wall or whatever. But uh, I really like that stuff. I love the interaction with Jim. I thought that all that stuff was great. Um, I love that moment where she first sees him and she's like, what are you? And he's just like, I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that moment because I know it's him underneath the thing. Yeah. I think it, I think it's so great. And I love that they called out like the stuff that people have been saying, like, you know, you, you look weird without the mustache. I don't recognize you kind of stuff. I loved all that stuff. I thought that it's very interesting now for Barbara, right? Because the whole, whole thing was like, I have this secret. I can't tell my dad because he wouldn't understand. And, you know, I just can't tell him. Like, I, And the first thing Jim does when he has the secret, he tells her that he yeah. has it. So it's like, okay. And then she's, you know, she's about to tell him what, what, what happened. And I, I, I like that they're getting to play off each other again. And, you know, obviously Gail did it before, with, but it was a much more serious, you know, situation um, with the stuff with Jim Jr. in here. But we get to see it again. Like, Basically, he wants to take her in, and, and there's going to have to be something that happens between the two of them. I don't know where that blink is going to be between them, and I'm I'm fascinated mm-hmm. to see what, what that Absolutely. is. Yeah, did you read it, Steve? I did. What do you think? Um, I, I I enjoyed it. I mm-hmm. thought it was really good. I really like the. Uh, 
I guess the the problem that we mm-hmm. now have, like what you were just mentioning about them having to admit things to one another. And I thought it was a really nice twist that, uh, not, I mean, not to give the whole book away, mm-hmm. but uh, Jim being like, you know, I'm the new Batman. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that I quite understand his position in wanting to take Batgirl down. I mean, isn't it kind of hypocritical? Well, no, but he still works. The point of this Batman is that he works for, the, like... For police. The police, basically. He And so he's still trying to snuff out illegal activity wherever it happens. You know, mm-hmm. it is like a more gray area for him. Yeah. But he still sees Batgirl as a vigilante. And obviously he has a kind of checkered past with her as a character. Mm-hmm. So they've always had kind of run-ins with each other. Um, but, like, one of my favorite kinds of, like, tensions in, in books in general is, like, secret keeping mm-hmm. and stuff like that. People that are so close to one another that are keeping things and huge things from one another. I love that type of situation where now like it, Barbara's going to have to tell him mm. what is that going to be like, you know, and you can imagine it as many times as you want. It's not going to be that. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what that reveal is going to amount to in the end. Yeah, me too. Bob, you're going to say something? Oh, at the end of Gail's run, mm-hmm. the crime that Barbara would have been wanted for is sort of been wiped out. Someone confesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that doesn't mean she still can run around Burnside or Gotham City fighting crime. Exactly, yeah. Because someone asked me that. Didn't it get fixed? Yeah. Well, yeah, but yeah. she's still not uh, an agent of the government. Yeah, he, saw, he obviously doesn't... You don't get no point that he blames her for anything yeah. horrible. It's just that I, I think the only vigilante that Jim would withstand is Batman, and that's it. Like, he just yeah. doesn't, like... He doesn't think anybody else like is able to do it. So I think that that's why he's going after her. Um, Carol, did you get a chance to read the new... Nope, there won't won't be any DC in my life for a few more weeks. Okay, <laughs> I've got to close out with the X Men first. Gotcha. Um, and I love Howard Duck as well. I don't want to I don't want to say too much about it, but there's this one thing where he goes to like that interstellar like poker game that yeah, uh, and, and they kind of breaks up the game and they're leaving and they're walking away and like and the demon that he's playing against just says, "Haha, may your soul rot in the thirteenth level of hell," and then he just walks away, <laughs> which I think is so awesome. And the art is just great. Um, I love that first moment where he he comes into like the hell dimension yeah. or whatever, yeah. and this like weird cyclops demons are taking him places, and he figures out it's a it's a poker game. Um, it was awesome. It's an awesome book. It's just a really really funny, a really great read, and I, I like I like how the, I love the 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 play on the Infinity Gauntlet stuff. I thought yeah. that was just so the silly. Abundant the, glove. The abundant glove, and then he's a non shape shifting scroll, yeah. so he's like the least dangerous scroll in the world because you always know that he's a scroll. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. He wears makeup. Yeah, I think that's always great. Um, yeah, it's great. And I love that. I guess it's Peter, right? He's looking at him like all funny at the yeah. very beginning. Yeah. Because <laughs> he really. They've got a whole thing going. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. Which Peter? Um, Peter Parker. Sorry. Yeah. Well, he just busted Aunt May. Kind yeah. Of in the last issue for working with the ringmaster of crime. Yeah. Because the ringmaster like hypnotizes old people or whatever and gets them to do their his bidding. Mm-hmm. Um, he and, gave up fighting superheroes, so now he just goes for old people yeah. and, <laughs> and stealing you know pension checks and old jewelry. Oh. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love the on the cover <clears throat> a Marvel superhero Secret Wars tie-in, a Deadpool Secret Wars tie-in, not a Secret Wars tie-in, <laughs> which I love. Um, and I guess the next one we're going to get is probably Howard the Human, right? I, I would assume yeah. that that one shot that they're doing. Yeah, that's sort of the last days yeah. sort of idea. Yeah, and then uh, they've already, it's one of the books they already announced it's coming back. So we know it's coming back. Um, all right. Steve. Yeah. You ready? Sure. All right, let me get this three minutes on the clock here. You got three minutes and go. Okay, so last week I talked about uh, Quantum and Woody and Archer and Armstrong kind of delving into some of the Valiant stuff. 
Uh, after that, I had to read The Delinquents, which is James Asmus and Fred Van Lente with Kano on art. Uh, to put this to you, summarize, I won't even tell you the rest of it. It's those two teams. It's Quantum and Woody, Archer and Armstrong together, basically in search of the legendary treasure of the hobos using <laughs> a map that's been tattooed onto the ass of a hobo. And then that hobo was skinned and that map has been passed from hobo to hobo throughout the generations. Mm-hmm. It is positively hysterical and outrageous and ridiculous there are like minotaur people running around and it's it's hysterical if uh if i've learned one thing over the past two weeks from valiant is that they do superhero stuff and comedy like blending those two together they do really really well um so i'm really really enjoying that stuff one of my other books is rasputin uh volume one which is entitled the road to the winter palace and this is a Alex Grecian and Riley Rosmo uh, project. And I talked about the first issue of this and then kind of left it alone and waited for it to be collected. This book is spectacular. And, and I mean, in terms of art and stuff like that, if you're at all interested in Riley Rosmo, he you might as well call this like an art book of, of his. He does some of his absolute best stuff here. And if you're at all like into history or into like weird characters throughout time and you, you know, you dig Rasputin's or well, not, you're not like into him, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Curious about his his stuff. This is kind of a a different take on him in that he's using his magics to kind of make his way through the world and through time uh, as a healer and people getting in his way. And he's kind of also a, a clairvoyant of sorts and that every time that somebody's tried to kill him, he's known about it and he's been using those deaths to kind of accrue more magics and uh-huh. stuff like that. It's really neat. It's a really neat take on that character. Uh, another book that I read from James Arcudi and uh, James Harron and Dave Stewart is rumble volume one from image comics. Again, um, just an absolutely like breakneck pace action book, kind of in the vein of like a, not as outrageous as Luther Strode, but definitely has that sense of humor and language to it. Um, it's pretty much about a dude who a long, long millennia ago was done wrong and has kind of been hiding out in this scarecrow-like body, carrying around a giant sword, waiting for his chance to get his body back. And he ropes in like a townie and his like gangster friend and just this really, really outrageous plot. The artwork for it is absolutely gorgeous. The action scenes are great. And it's really funny, and there's tons and tons of, like, hellish creatures and different takes on, like, things pouring out from hell dimensions and so on and so forth. So I'll save Pistol Whip for next week. All right. Very pleasing end to your time with that, yes. with that, that sound. Uh, did you hear uh, they announced today, I believe, uh, Jen Van Meter is doing another volume of Death Defying Dr. Mirage. Yes, for I Valiant. did hear that. Yeah, which is pretty in- great. It was mm-hmm. uh, when we went to Special Edition, the guys at the Valiant booth. Mm-hmm excuse me, had uh, had told me that they were doing that. Because cool. he was trying to, he's like, oh, you should get Death to find Dr. Mirage. And I was like, it's like the only Valiant thing I've read, and I loved it. And he's <laughs> like, oh, well, you'll be excited for this. That's awesome, though. I'm really, really glad to hear about that. Yeah, should be cool. I was going to buy the trade, but somebody we know bought the last copy on this Justin. show from Fourth World before I got there. <laughs> we just sold that. Yeah. It's like, oh, thanks a lot. Thanks a heap. Bad Justin. If you want it, I probably got to hit up uh, Fourth World tomorrow because the... What is it? Autumn, autumn, tooth and claw. Yeah, autumn ones. Yeah, tooth and claw. Uh, I want to pick that up. Yeah, the yeah. Kirby book. 
Yeah, being uh, being a little patient, especially on the image end of things for trades, has uh, really been highly enjoyable. I know I've been talking about a lot of volumes of stuff, mm. but at nine ninety nine a pop, like some of these things. I mean, the the Rasputin book alone, it's huge mm-hmm. for for ten bucks. Same thing with Rumble. I mean, you get all of this extra stuff in it. Plus the whole, the whole, like the whole first, well, obviously you get the whole first arc, but <laughs> I just, I like, sorry, Carolyn, mm-hmm. I like the presentation and just like the mission of pricing these at nine ninety nine mm-hmm. to get you hooked at like a very agreeable price mm-hmm. and hope that you'll come back for, you know, the fourteen ninety nine volume two when it's released, yeah you know, and reading them in a chunk like this, I absorb the story a little bit more. You stay in the world a little bit more. Um, I'm still buying single issues, but I've found that. Lately, I'm just collecting things in single issue to support the books, but haven't been keeping up, mm-hmm. like Saga and The Wicked and the Divine, things like that. Like, I'm just waiting till the arc is done. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Those are my lightning rounds. And I got something really serious and heavy for my book of the week <laughs> that will depress everybody, so make sure I'm not last. That's good. My, uh, my book of the week is also depressing. Excellent. So we'll have a good, <laughs> a good depressing off we'll have a good cry we'll have a good cry i definitely cried reading the book that i i didn't Ooh. cry during mine but i felt i took a shower <laughs> after mine wow okay all right yeah. i don't know how i feel about hmm. that <laughs> hmm. Hmm, indeed carolyn are you ready for this is your first lightning round it is my first lightning round and i'm sort of changing the rules of the lightning round for myself because i haven't really read a lot of current single issues of things, which I know is the point of the lightning. It's all right, though. No, it's get right, out though. of here. Just talk. It's, Goodbye. It's more <laughs> point just getting a bunch of books out in a, in a shorter period of time. So, okay. All right. Here we go. Or one book you want to talk with three minutes. It's all about. It's all whatever you want. You have you have three minutes. To do whatever you want. That's the point of the lightning round. <laughs> I wouldn't. Sil- <laughs> I wouldn't silently dance because that's not very good for radio. That's but... not really what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> all right. And three minutes and go. Okay, so with all this research I've been doing, most of it on uh, female superhero characters, I've been thinking a lot about how the ones that I personally find most compelling tend to be working in teams or tend to be working with a strong, supportive cast around them. And I've also been thinking about how some characters I like kind of have things in common. And the person I've been thinking, the person, the character I've been thinking about most recently is Kitty Pride of the X-Men. Um, and I think because of love for Kitty Pride, that sort of led me to love for Buffy the Vampire Slayer and also for Stephanie Brown, because I think the three of them have a lot in common. So my lightning round is devoted to these three lovely ladies, um, <laughs> because I do think they have some things in common. They're, they're sort of young, petite women who are kind of finding their way in the world, and they don't do everything right, but they have heart. They're not totally sure if they want to be heroes, but they step up and they do it and they're brave and they make mistakes and they know it and they, well, I guess it takes them varying amounts of time to do it, but they own them <laughs> at some point. Um, but they, they do have it in them to be heroes just like we all do. So they step up and they make it their job and they do it well. And usually they're underestimated because of their age and their size. So having said that, um, my lightning round encompasses uh, some recommendations about where you might want to start with those characters if you're not that familiar with them. So for Kitty Pride, I mean, this is, some, this is a character that's been around for, well, a long time, 30 years and change. So um, I think probably the first famous story she was in was Days of Future Past. That is X-Men 141 and 142. And so if you're generally in that area, if you're in like the 130s to the 180s or so of 
um, of X-Men from the 1980s-ish. I think you'll find a lot of stories that feature her that are really good, written by um, Chris Claremont. And I would also add that Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men run also features Kitty Pride, and that is numbers 1 through 24, which you can find in two volumes or four, depending on where you buy it or how you would like to look at it. Um, with Buffy, speaking of Joss Whedon, <laughs> with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if you're interested in the show, I would recommend... Bobby might feel differently based on his screen name. Um, <laughs> I would recommend kind of the early middle seasons, like two, three, and four, although they're all good in different ways. Um, and the comics, there were comics in the 1990s and early 2000s. They're not quote-unquote canon, but they uh, after the show, there was a season eight, season nine, and season 10. Um, so you can find those if you want to. And for Stephanie Brown, basically, there's three trade paperbacks that feature her by Brian Q. Miller. Yeah, you did it. You have eight seconds. <laughs> Awesome. Blah, 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 blah. Um, no, I would agree with you. I think on the seasons of Buffy. Um, I mean, I think two and th- two and three definitely. Those are my favorites. Um, three is probably my favorite. Uh, I think it's the best one. I agree. Uh, four has some high points, but I think generally it's weaker um, th- than two and three. I think five is great. Um, I like it more now than I did then. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm one of the people, I love six. I think six is so good. Hated it at the time. Really? Like it more now yeah. as well. I mean, as when you look at the whole thing as an arc, mm-hmm. it all works. But I think because I so loved season three, mm-hmm. I wanted the others to just sort of repeat that right. formula. And you can't do that. Yeah. Um, season six, I just... Uh, the idea of season six was life is the big bad. Like, that was Joss Whedon's thing in that. And I just love that. I love that the problems... The, the the bad guys who end up doing something horrible, don't get me wrong, are not really like the same kind of threats that have existed before in the show. They're three guys, three nerdy guys who are like really kind of hit punching above their weight class is really what they're trying to do. Uh, and um, they make a big mistake, which leads to a really horrible thing. But it's not really about that. It's about people facing down the fact that now like life is kind of starting. Like they're not really in high school anymore. They're not in college anymore. They're kind of in like... This the weird middle period afterwards where you you're, you're supposed to know what to do but you don't really know what to do and I, I loved that aspect uh, of, of that season. Um, don't really like season seven that much. Season no, I mean I think if you look at if, if you look at it as one long story, it becomes mm-hmm. a lot more palatable. Like with mm-hmm. season six, I didn't enjoy watching it while I was watching it, mm-hmm. but it was clear what was happening and why it was being done. Right. So I appreciated it a lot more than I enjoyed it. It's kind of like. Um, you can love The Dark Knight Returns, but it doesn't mean you want every single book to be Batman and Superman on opposite sides. Right. You know, yeah. So you can appreciate it, but mm-hmm. you, n- you don't necessarily like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, season three, still my favorite. The mayor is like the best villain. Absolutely. <laughs> and, the, and the mayor and Faith, I think, are a great yeah. duo. Absolutely. Um, and season eight is great. Buffy season eight is great. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did you have you looked at nine and ten? I have not yet. No, I have not. I, I'm planning on it, but I have no, I've never read them. Yeah. Nine. I mean, eight. Eight is good. It gets a little wacky at the end because there's no budget. So I think they were just very excited about <laughs> yeah. drawing crazy, gigantic things. Mm-hmm. Season nine is supposed to be kind of a return to roots. So it's a smaller story. It's not quite as compelling. Mm. Season 10 sort of comes back. They kind of poached the team from the Angel comics. Yeah, Christoph Chris, Ga- Christos Gage and Rebecca, uh, Isaacs. Rebecca Isaacs. Yeah. And they're killing it. That's cool. Awesome. I mean, that's that's great to hear. Um, yeah. Are those Stephanie Brown Batgirl trades back in, back in print yet? No. 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 Some are very expensive. Yeah, I know that. I know that about them. Um, all right, but thank you, Carolyn. Uh, all right, let's see. I'll get my three minutes on the clock here. Get my books out so I can remember what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> all right. Got a pen in front of me. It's a weird day. All right. 
and go. All right, Daredevil number 16. We are getting really, really close to the ending of Mark Wade and Chris Samney's Daredevil. I think there are two issues left after after this one. Um, basically, at this point, we've gone from when Mark Wade started to kind of giving Daredevil everything back to uh, this point, he's pretty much taken everything away again. And Daredevil's making a deal with uh, a different kind of devil for to, to try to make get his life back in order. Um, Uncanny Avengers number five, Rick Remender and Daniel Acuna. Uh, this ends uh, Remender's time on Uncanny Avengers um, as the last page is, and now all his Secret Wars or whatever. This is one of those books that kind of bled over. Uh, we get the full redone origin of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and we get the finale with the uh, not the Beyonder. The what's the guy's name who creates the alternate Earth? Um, High evolutionary. High evolutionary, which is which is really really great. I, I loved th- this kind of re number one to number five they did for this uh, was really really great, and, and it's a great Scarlet Witch story. Superman number forty one, um, de- debut of, of of our new writer on the book. Um, still the John Romita Jr. art, but really really great Superman story. Uh, really love with the direction the character is going now that we're uh, now that we're post convergence. Um, Aquaman number 41, Colin Bunn takes over, uh, as a writer with Trevor McCarthy as the artist. And, uh, it's good. You know, it goes in a more kind of horror angle than, than the other books have been. It definitely was well, Jeff Parker's run kind of, it went away from John's run, but still sort of emulated the tone and style of that run. This goes a completely different direction. Uh, a, a kind of a horror mystery going on. It was, it was compelling. I'll definitely give it another read. Uh, we are Robin number one, uh, which I really, really loved. Uh, it was, it's what character who shows up at the end of Endgame, who has kind of been scarred by it, and he decides to kind of go on it, try to he doesn't want to be powerless anymore, so he's trying to become a hero himself. And you discover that there's like this group of kind of people who have been influenced or, or kind of touched by the bat, um, and who want to be their own heroes. Um, and they're almost like you know like like the artful Dodgers men, or you know kind of kind of in a way. Uh, and they kind of come together and and help him out. Uh, really, really good. I enjoyed it. I think it, it is potentially something great. Uh, it's not a home run of a first issue, but it has a lot of potential. And last week I didn't talk about uh, Robin, Son of Batman, uh, which is Patrick Leeson on art and writing. Uh, but it's a it's a great great book. I mean, Patrick Leeson who hasn't really written much that I that I know of. Uh, it's a great artist, and he does a great job writing here. It's a weird book. It's got some crazy stuff going on. You know, Damien's like writing like a dog dragon thing, but uh, <laughs> it was really, really fun, really, really great, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of it more with uh, with my favorite Robin. So, hmm. oh, he's your favorite now. Yeah, he's my favorite since we talked about that, but way before, right when he died the first time, I was talking about that. What All about right. Tim Drake? Tim Drake is second now to Damien. Oh, <gasps> oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> I'm a huge Tim Drake. Don't get me wrong; he's one of my favorite characters of all time. But as Robin, I feel like Damien has become a more interesting character. Wow, mm. nice. Yeah, um, and uh, Damien and Stephanie Brown together, comedy gold. Yes, <laughs> Damien was also really good when he was in this, the one issue they did with Supergirl. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a great issue, great, great issue mm-hmm. where they're just great playing off each other. Um, it's great in Gotham Academy just recently. Yeah, he's a great character. I mean, he, he's great because he's such a little prick <laughs> that that he plays very well off of characters who are nicer because he's still a good guy he still wants to do the right thing but he just is very you know roundabout smug way about, about doing it but not not as when he was introduced no I mean, when no. he was introduced it was like all i could do to keep reading because yeah. i was so annoyed and i kept going and going and going and then by the time i got to that silent issue i was like you bastard why did you make me love him <laughs> i love that book 
yeah. that silent issue is mm. still so amazing. It, it absolutely is. Um, yeah, but it, it's it, it, it was a great book, and I'm I'm excited that he has a book where he's got kind of front and center, and he'll be great. And you know, I miss the fact that we don't really have like a a Batman and Robin book right now. Like I I, I love that dynamic. Um, and I, somebody posted a I forgot who it was, but when I think We Are Robin came out, people were kind of posting Robin stuff, and and there was a somebody posted a, a frame of uh, when Dick was Batman and and he was Robin, and it's the shot of like them looking into like a secret passage. And, and and Batman's like, come on, this wall just turned a secret passage. You've got to be excited. And Damien just sitting like cross arm behind him, like staring like dead eyed at him. I just love, I love, the, I love that their dynamic goes like that. I love the other dynamic. I hope that we, we get another book like that again, because I would love to see that. I think the chances now you can have every kind of Batman and Robin dynamic you want. Yeah. They were talking about continuity being second to story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if someone wants to tell that story now, they're going to get a chance. Yeah. So that opens up a lot of avenues. Yeah. I mean, I would, I, I would love to see too. I would love the idea of what is what is a Robin to Jim Gordon's Batman like? You know, like, what, what, is, what is that? You know, would he accept it? Would it be something that could, could happen? You know, I still want to see, like, I, I don't read Batman Superman, but I want to see, like, what's that relationship like? Like, you know, what does Superman think of this new person just wearing the, this bat suit and calling himself Batman? I think those, those dynamics are interesting with, yeah. with the rest of the universe. I just can't, I, I could just picture a panel where Jim Gordon is like, take a kid out with me? Are yeah. you crazy? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Batman is really responsible with his childcare. <laughs> now, now, how old is our new universe in five years? He said, how many Robins in these five years? Was yeah. it that first issue where they all showed up at the party? Yeah, yeah. The first issue, they're yeah. all there, and they're all called Robin. They they changed it for the trade. because So now Tim really? yeah, now Tim was never Robin. That's the deal with DC continuity. Tim was never Robin. Because in the trade now, it says Tim, uh, Tim Drake, identity, Red Robin. That's all it says. It doesn't say former Robin. Um so uh so yeah so yeah, yeah it's five years and like five robins <laughs> and i'm 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 way behind on batman mm. I, I love batman don't, <laughs> don't send me hate mail um but i am behind i read like i don't know i must have read five trades i guess i'm not that far behind no, you're one trade behind whatever happened to harper oh she shows up um she's in something my brain just went broken but she's in something i can't remember what it is she right was now. in um batman eternal for a long time she's been maternal yeah absolutely but she was in a one of these relaunched books at some point i just remember what and it they're is. not they're not sort of positioning her as not right now um because there really is no robin to batman anymore you know um damien is the closest thing and he's kind of off doing his own thing so there isn't really no robin but there was a book i don't remember was it a detective that i read that brought her into the mix it might have been detective comics that brought her into the mix which i didn't talk about either detective was good it was Rene Montoya focused now. It's actually focusing on the cops. So oh, it was cool. cool. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, Bucciolato and uh, Manipole are still in the book. Weren't you guys reading Gotham Central sort of recently? Was oh, yeah, it, I yeah, was. was. We were both kind of reading it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. did you get to the end? No, I'm not to the end yet. No, I'm one, I'm one trade out from the end. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's good, right? Oh, it's amazing. Really, really it's good. It's amazing. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's a great book. It's a great, great book. The it's thing one. the TV show should have been? Yeah, I guess. I mean, mm. I, I just TV show. But if the, if the TV show had been, in my opinion, the quality that it is now, but just Gotham Central, it still would have a bad show. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, Gotham Central kind of strikes me as one of those books that if you had somebody who wasn't into comics but they like cop procedurals, or like you know that they watch a couple of those shows, that would be an introductory uh, book oh. for someone. I I believe. Yeah, absolutely. 
Even if, and if they just like Batman, but they don't read comics, like you'd be like, right. this is Batman, but you don't have to worry about knowing all this other stuff. Cause these are all a lot of, I mean, you know, obviously they're characters that have existed before in the universe for the most part, mm-hmm. but they're not characters you've ever really deep dived on before. You right. know, like Bullock isn't somebody you really had like really intense character study of, you right. know, before Gotham Central. And now we kind of get like something deeper on him, you know, Renee as well, all these kind of characters. So. Yeah, like, it's something that, I mean, there it's about the human characters, it's yeah. about the cops, and, mm-hmm. you know, if you've been watching television or movies for your life, like, you've you've known these characters before, so instead of having, like, an intimidated superhero with all this backstory and stuff, you mm-hmm. get to follow these people that are kind of on the ground, and they're in it, too, and you're one of them, and... Sure, yeah, you're building from the ground up. Yeah. 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 It doesn't hurt also that you have, like, three amazing creators writing oh god that series is so good rucka brubaker and lark all doing it so it's a fantastic fantastic series all right bob what do you got for your book of the week oh this is weird (laughs) but i'm I'm gonna uh, it's just time to do weird (laughs) my book of the week is from 1989 even though it was supposed to have come out in 1983 (laughs) it's the year i was born it's called fred hembeck destroys the marvel universe Mm -hmm. since we're destroying it now anyway the quick version is Fred Hembeck is what they used to call a Bigfoot cartoonist. Those who read Don Martin's Mad, it's sort of that idea. He did a column for uh, the Buyer's Guide that was Dateline, Curly Cues and whatever, you know, cuss words, so to speak. And it was always very superhero-centric. He loved the form, loved the characters, and it was always sort of the far side version of superheroes done lovingly and so on. So for the 20th anniversary of Fantastic Four, they commissioned him to do the Fantastic Four roast, (laughs) which is just as you'd expect, except it's every Marvel character ever and basically every artist working at Marvel at the time. The Fantastic Four pages are done by John Byrne. Daredevil by Frank Miller. Thor's by Simonson under these crazy lights and it's filled with terrible puns and so on and so forth. So... Just around the time they did that, Jim Shooter, who was in charge of Marvel then, there was a there was a, a story that broke that he was going to destroy the Marvel Universe. He was going to destroy Asgard, put a replacement in the Iron Man suit, have a new Spider-Man, and it was all put out there by Doug Mensch, who had, had left Marvel at the time and was just really saying terrible things about his ex-boss. Mm-hmm. So Shooter and Hembeck, who was doing this comic at the time, decided, let's run with this. Let's do a book, Jim Shooter Destroys the Marvel Universe. And the whole story would begin with them in the Marvel offices discussing how this was going to happen and what a bad guy Jim Shooter was and, and down that road. And as this started to go, we ended up with a different story. And Shooter wanted... To not be in the book is what it turned into. I thought it would be a bad thing for him to be in his own book destroying thank you, his own creations and the creations of Stan and Steve and so on and so forth. So they decided to pull his name off the book. Then there were delays. Then there were art problems. Then Shooter gets fired. And then the book just sits there and sits there and sits there. Tom DeFalco takes over and goes, this is too good. So let's sit there. Let's have some fun with this, but we can't use all this shooter stuff because it's, it's going to look worse if we slag him. He's not even here. <laughs> so the beginning of this book is now, it's instead of that, we have Fred Hembeck telling the story, and he's a destitute bum living in an alley because his career has gone down the drain because he destroyed the Marvel Universe. 
And the Punisher shows up, who is in every book at that point. <laughs> and he's going to read him the riot act. And then the entire book from that, I'll we'll pass this around. It's a... <laughs> every death you can imagine turns up here. The book is now called When Titans Croak. <laughs> because that's a very stand sort of title. So what you have is Ant-Man who's doused with, into unconsciousness and it gets found by a little old lady who puts him in a microwave to dry him off. <laughs> what? Right. Uh, Loki gets sent a whole package of Clash records and gets into punk rock and creates Ragnarok and Roll and Asgard falls apart because of what he does. Um... Uh, the the bad the 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 engineer of all this death is you know it's Cracker is the clown prince of death, and he's just a regular clown running around. He creates the Black Plague and kills Black Bolt, the Black Cat, the Black Knight, the Black Panther, and the Black Widow all in one shot because it's the Black Plague. It is ridiculous and funny, and if you're going to address all this death, the only way to do it was this way. If it for people who love what Scotty Young is doing, this is sort of what they were doing 30-odd years ago here. It's a, he has a great grasp of the characters and Marvel continuity. It's all in there. If you love bad puns, they're there. And if you just love superheroes, it's a great book to take a shot at. Just recently, they have reprinted the Fantastic Four roast, and this destroys the Marvel Universe as uh, Fred Hembeck's House of Hem. <laughs> with with a with a Hembeck version of this. You can actually read on his website, which is Hembeck.com, the original story with the Jim Shooter artwork. It's 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 there because it's not for profit, and so it's all hanging out. Uh Fred Hembeck just did conven a convention upstate. He was actually born out here in Yapank. He's one of us. Oh wow. Uh now lives upstate. I think he lives up in Troy. I think he lives up that away. And just did a convention up there, and one of our people met him, and I can't now remember the fellow's name. I wrote it down somewhere, and it's not in this piece of paper I wrote. And he was every bit who you'd expect him to be. He was just this goofy guy with a beard. He doesn't have curly cues at his knees, though. But the cover of Destroys the Marvel Universe is all these characters with the very old cartoon idea of little black X's over their eyeballs with their tongues out. They just lay there dead on the ground. Mm -hmm. So... For I think it's 1995 for the trade that collects all this. Years ago, I have here behind me somewhere that I can't reach. There are like six or seven trade paperbacks of his columns all collected, including Dial H for Hembeck, for those who remember Dial H for Heroes. We have uh, Jimmy Olsen's pal Fred Hembeck, the Hembeck file. So Abin Costello meet the bride of Hembeck. Obviously, as you can see, you know the Human Torch and the Martian Manhunter would not make good buddies. <laughs> just doesn't work very well. Uh, these have all been collected, too, in a giant omnibus volume. It's only about, like, $30 from... Uh, it was Fanico back then. The new trade is from... I forget who the new trade from. It doesn't matter. But go on by Fred Hembeck. That's all I'm saying. That's it for me. Did he do work for Mad Magazine? Did I miss that no. part of the discussion? No. No. No, it looks like he should. The The artwork is very reminiscent of some of the older... Uh, you know, magazine well, stuff. the the fellow whose art I think he's channeling there is uh, Don Martin. Okay, who would do one page things. He he always drew the people with the foot that would bend in the middle. Yep, those sort of things. Yeah. Now again, his Fred was really really popular all through the eighties, and it's the sort of thing that sort of disappeared, except among old guys like me who went. This is just just the height of cleverness because it was smart, and it's silly and. It, you have to me my definition of silly. There's a there's an intelligence quotient to silly. Monty Python is silly, 
because it you're making jokes about you know philosophers and all this sort of stuff. Fred knew his comics inside and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he makes a joke about something, he's one of us doing it. It's not bam pow. It's I'll do tons of jokes about brother voodoo. Why not? <laughs> and so he was he wanted to do a book, and it, it, his character when he mentions it, it, it's the whole voodoo family. It's brother voodoo and sister voodoo and their kid voodoo child. <laughs> voodoo child, yeah. Nice. So that's that's where you're headed. So it's uh, so my book of the week. It's a Marvel massacre. It says so right on the cover and the little corner box. It's the special all death issue. It's Fred Hembeck destroys the Marvel universe. Let it never but be this said one is that DC. Uh, Bob doesn't well, enjoy death in comics. Yes, yes, I do. Except I do when it's Fred Hembeck doing it. Um, but yeah, oh, he would do tons of. He, these were all collected from his columns, the various trade paperbacks. And he did DC characters and Marvel characters and Tower characters and Archie characters. And if there was somebody that he thought was worth poking fun at or embracing, on his website, you can buy uh, cover recreations all done in his particular style. And he'll go all the way back. So I think I've talked enough about Fred Hembeck. And what <laughs> what inspired you this week to pull out the well, Hembeck? The Hembeck collection came out because, well, with the Marvel Universe being destroyed... It seemed like a good time. The trade paperback having come out seemed like a good link. And the other thing is, I was going through the archives with one of our guests here on the show and came upon the box. <laughs> so there we go. Steve? No, no. <laughs> Carolyn was I know. researching like mad. But I had excellent help. Yeah, thank you very much. We had a nice lunch too while we were at. No. Steve has pictures of my archives for an I Collect article. <laughs> that we're going to do one of these days. No, it doesn't. <laughs> What's I Collect? It's a long forgotten. Actually, no, it's not long forgotten. It lived on in the forums mm-hmm. for yes. a little while. I don't know if it's still going, but um, it was a meant to be like a collection. People can send in their photos. We would interview them about their collections, like what are their most prized things and whatnot. And uh, it just turned out to be a lot of work. And I wasn't entirely satisfied with the format of it. And then just the site started getting really busy and started focusing on reviews at the time. It was pretty early in our... Yeah, yeah. and it just, it got kind of shelved. I felt bad. I mean, I was really the only one that got to show off his stuff. Um, That was really his plan the whole time. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) really, really, really self-serving mission of mine. (laughs) But um, I mean, there's nothing to say that it it won't come back in the future. We're... uh, we're making all kinds of moves and doing all kinds of things recently, mm-hmm. so who knows? You know, maybe if we find somebody that's interested that really likes the idea that wants to come in to put it together and write it for us, and that would be your thing, feel free to email I me like if that. you want to yeah. audition for that. Mm-hmm. You, you can buy the copyright. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if somebody liked that, you remember it, you would well, like franchise. to spearhead it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can audition to pick that up. Um, just email me since uh, all that stuff goes through me now. All right. Somewhere I have a, half an article written. I'll I still got the out. pictures. I still <laughs> we, got the pictures. They're a lot we, of fun. We took, we took pictures in Reese's. We had my Stanley and Jack Kirby action figures propped up against a ketchup bottle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it was like? It's one thing to do it yourself, but when you're interviewing and stuff for people Absolutely. that are just trying to do it casually, but you're trying to put together a column that's like interesting to read. And like some people... You know, and no offense to anybody, but people aren't writers. So when we were getting submissions and you were asking them questions that were a little bit in depth because it's it's a personal 
you know, the base of the article is personal. These are your, these are your things. Tell me something about why you love these things. And when you got really like base responses, like I like it because it's good. That's not like, we're, we're looking for a little bit more than that. Like we're like, show me like the passion for this. Like what's your favorite object in the thing and tell me about it. And it was just that back and forth to get that information from the person. I have a hard time believing Bob did not give you long answers for your questions. No, I'm not talking about Bob. (laughs) No, I never even, I never even got to to interview Bob. No, I'm saying like a couple of like the fan submissions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I really wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's like a lot of things that I (laughs) plan to do. Now that we put this back out into the ether, I think we've got something. Seriously, um, if you guys are interested in an idea like that, um, you know, it could be a biweekly thing or whatever, or whenever, even like a monthly uh, but you're interested in taking up the concept and think that you can uh, have a better stab at it, by all means, email me and uh, we'll go through the particulars and figure it out. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Bob, by the way, for your book of the week. Oh, my pleasure. Steve, make us cry. Uh, I'm not going to make you cry. I'm just going to make you going to make you wistful and huh. uh, think about stuff. So. I found a book this past uh, Wednesday called Russian Olive to Red uh, Red King, and it's by Catherine and Stuart Immonen. Um, presumably, Catherine Immonen writing and Stuart Immonen on uh, art. I would assume. Yeah, that that's the thing. I would assume, but then after reading it, I'm wondering if it was a combined effort in terms of, of the narrative. Mm. And see... Here's the thing about this book. This book is divided into kind of two formats. You have your traditional um, kind of very somber story, uh, which is like graphic novel format. First of all, the the art by Stuart Eminem, both both uh, lines and colors, is truly spectacular. Uh, you just get you you get really really sucked into the moment. Um, if silent panels and kind of staying in. Um, like a mood or a, or a scene for like a few pages is a little bit too much for you and you don't like that kind of style. I'm not sure that you'll like this story. It's very much about feeling the weight of every moment that's happening within within uh, the book. And to, to put it mildly or to not give too much away, um, the story starts off with two people Olive and Red, and um, Olive is Russian, and I, I can't, I think that uh, Red is American. He's a writer, and he has kind of been off of his game for some time. He's got like, you know, 16 messages on his answering machine and be like, you know, where is the work? I can't hold your place forever. We're waiting on you. We know that you always give us gold, but it's been weeks. What's the problem? And I got the impression Something really, really, really terrible happened in Red's life. I think he lost someone. And the book starts with kind of that aftermath of after you lose somebody that's really important to you or something traumatic happens. It doesn't necessarily mean that he lost somebody, but the mood of the book is that he's in mourning and he has this relationship with this girl who is going off to like uh, an icy Antarctic style place and she's where she's going is dangerous and he's afraid that if she leaves something's going to happen and she's never going to come back so as it would happen something happens to the plane and she the plane goes down and she gets stuck in this you know icy tundra of a place and the story kind of splits between red back home like wondering what's happening they go through the days every day is a chapter 
and you're going through the waiting and you're going through like his imagination of what happened and people telling him that it's going to be fine and him just repeating to himself, it's not fine. I know something happened because something always happens. And um, on the other half of the coin is Olive's story of survival and her trying to basically keep her stuff together in order to make it back to Red so that he doesn't have to go through life believing that things are always going to be sad. Um, and it's really compelling and it's very intimate and it's very private and it's very sad and it's it's just, if you're in a good mood, don't read this book. <laughs> um, but what happens is about maybe three quarters of the way through the book, the format of the book changes and it becomes kind of an elongated uh, poem or prose piece. And my interpretation of it, um, by the way, none of this stuff is is spoilery because because of the way this book is laid out. If you seek it out and read it, you'll understand that I'm not really giving anything away. But um, what you end up reading, I believe, is that missing piece that they're calling on the answering machine for. And you get to read the thing that he was supposed to submit in the form of the of these this long poem thing. And it's one of those poems that tells a story rather than being, you know, having a rhythm to it or being um, rhyming and so on and so forth. So almost like, a, like an Iliad or an epic or something like that. And you get this portion of Red's life that, uh, that he's writing about. And without spoiling it, by the time that you get to the end of that story, you realize that what you're holding in your hands is not, and I mean by that, by I mean the book, it's not what you think it is. It's something different. It's still a book, mm -hmm. but it's it's something personal. It's something different. You're not just reading a graphic novel. You're reading something else. I don't want to give it away yeah. because like, it's almost one of those things where the final line made me gasp and and I, I realized what was going on and I was like whoa and and I needed to put it down because like I was it was so heavy like it was so so heavy um yeah I read this in one shot it was one of those things where like I picked it up off the shelf because it was you know the imminent team I absolutely love Catherine's writing um I can't deny Stuart's art it's incredible and I, I picked it up blindly and I, I brought it home and I'm like, oh, I'm going to just, you know, read the first couple pages while I'm, you know, getting ready mm -hmm. to make dinner. And before I knew it, I was pacing back and forth in my girlfriend's living room, uh, putting steps on my Fitbit and reading the whole damn thing. <laughs> and normally for me, and I fully admit this, when I run into like full on text without pictures and stuff like that in a graphic novel, if I'm reading a novel in a book, that's one thing. But to see that in a graphic novel kind of throws me and, and gets me to kind of like recoil a little bit like, ah, like, I don't know if I want to read, read right now. I'm kind of in like, you know, pictures and, and words mode, but like, let's see, like, what do you like? What is this? Like all of a sudden you're, you're interrupting the story to put this in there. I'll check it out. And within like the first couple of pages, I could not stop reading it. And by the time that I got to the end, I was just like, like, what the hell did I just read? And, and it, it, it turned out to be like one of the best things I've read all year. So, yeah, that's uh, Russian Love to Red King, and it is from Ad House Books by Catherine and Stuart Immonen. Um, just an absolutely wonderful but heavy, heavy read. If you've just lost someone or are going through a lot of stuff in your life, I've kind of been doing that a little bit lately. 
Um, but I was able to channel this into something positive that kind of helped me move past a couple of things. But it's definitely not a book that when you put down, you're going to be like whistling a happy tune. <laughs> so tread with caution, but in, enjoy it to every last drop because it is a very, very powerful book. All right. Awesome. There look, we go. Look gorgeous. When you're pull, mm. very involving. This is the kind of art that'll definitely draw you into the story. It's wonderful. And what's funny is because I have a sticker on the cover, and I'm pretty sure that this is not supposed to be a part of the cover, but I kind of like it because it looks like it just came off of like some kind of like fragile foreign package <laughs> off of an airplane, and it has to like there's an airplane almost like a, like a like the plane blew up and it fell out. <laughs> you know, there was a crate of these things and it fell out into the snow, and it's got these you know weirdly stamped uh, stickers on it. But yeah, I mean, gorgeous, gorgeous artwork. The colors are absolutely outstanding. All the sunset colors and all the like Arctic tundra like things and Aurora Borealis in the middle of the night and Northern lights and all of that stuff. And um, just this heavy, heavy narrative of this person who's lost so much and is losing as you're reading the book even more. And then at the end, it just, it all, it all comes together and you realize that you're, you're reading something that's not just a graphic novel. And I, I almost have to wonder how much of it is true to life or maybe somebody's story that they knew and they're telling that story. Um, Very strange. It really, it made me want to like just pick up uh, like my laptop or a pen and paper. And like, I know Canada, but I don't know it that well. I was actually just going to walk and find like a broken down building and sit in front of it and write a story about that broken building because like the book inspired me to want to go and do that. But I had to make dinner. Powerful. (laughs) Yeah. So and dinner was good. <laughs> I channeled all of that into my mm-hmm. my steak that I made. What year? What did it just come out? Yeah, it just came out this past Wednesday. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Ad House Press, twenty four ninety five US, twenty eight ninety nine Canadian. Okay, and uh, beautiful, good stuff. All right, awesome, Carolyn. What do you got for us? Um, more new stuff, obviously. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there, there's a newish uh, part. Um. Well, what I've been, I guess you were thinking about the death of the Marvel mm-hmm. Universe. Yep. Um, I was thinking about because uh, I teach um, I teach classes about civil rights and civil liberties and the Supreme Court. So I've been thinking a lot about discrimination and, and civil rights in the last week or so, as I know a lot of people probably have. And so um, that sort of coincided with all of the reading and writing that I've been doing about X-Men because really the whole point of X-Men is that you're using the so-called mutant metaphor to talk about the ways in which we discriminate against each other um, and the ways in which we're all, I was about to say human, but mutants are (laughs) not, okay. We're all people, (laughs) (laughs) different types of people, um, and that we might identify in different ways, but at the end of the day, we're all here together and we need to figure out a way to live together and tolerate each other, right? At the very least. So, um, my book of the week is more a story of the week, and it is the, the saga of, that begins with Days of Future Past. So it starts with the two issues of X-Men that are Days of Future Past, with, which are different from the movie, if you've only seen the movie and you've never read the two issues on which the movie is based, which I did mention earlier. It's um, number 141 and 142. So those two issues are followed up years later, by two more issues, 
that are in Excalibur, which was one of the late 1980s uh, spin-off X books, also written by Chris Claremont and later by Alan Davis. And then you could say there's sort of an alternate universe version of it now, um, Marguerite Bennett's Years of Future Past. But they're all kind of telling the same story, which is that there's a dystopian future, a dystopian future in which mutants are hounded, rounded up, um, in at least one version, kind of in concentration camps. And there is a certain amount of real fear underlying that by the people who are discriminating against them. And when I say real fear, I mean that humans are really feeling that fear, not that there's necessarily a grounding for that fear. Make no mistake, some mutants are dangerous, just like some humans are dangerous. But just because, say, uh, one kind of telepathic mutant is dangerous doesn't mean they're all dangerous. (laughs) Therefore, just because someone has dark skin and is violent doesn't mean that everyone with dark skin is violent, right? So anyway, um, you have this dystopian future and you have these political machinations that are capitalizing on that fear for political gain. Um, because again, sometimes you have regular people who are afraid of things that are different. And then sometimes you have people who are using whatever power it is they have to capitalize on that fear to get themselves more personal power. So that's really what's going on in all five of these issues across three different books and across 30 years, I guess. They're all telling the same part, different parts of the same story. Um, and, and the way it's being told is that you have, well, you have mutants, uh, but you have teamwork, and you have sort of these forged families, and you have people working together with impossible odds against them. Um, and you have, you know, really good writing that is, is strong characterizations of each of these people, regardless of their appearance, regardless of their age, regardless of their gender. Um, you have art that really, really shows you even more about those characters than that verbiage does. Um, you have art that is really, really expressive, is non-sexualizing for the female characters, um, and you have mixed gender groups as well. I would like to be able to say mixed race and mixed ethnicity groups. That's not really the case um, in terms of these particular issues. Um, so anyway, I guess the... <laughs> So the short version is, um, if you're just interested in X-Men, if you're, if you're not, but you're interested in sort of team books where people band together and work together and work together as families, if you've never really read X-Men, but you're interested in thinking about civil rights in a metaphorical kind of way, then I would recommend this story. So again, that's Days of Future Past, which is X-Men 141 and 142. Excalibur 66 and 67, and the relatively recent years of future past, number one of I don't know how many. I think five. Five? I think, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah the fascinating thing about Days of Future Past, too, right, is it's, it's a dystopian future for the mutants, but it's also a dystopian future for us as, as people. If, you know, talking about if we were characters with the human characters, because our, the zeal to eliminate the, human, the, the mutant problem has met us basically our own demise yes that's a really yes. important point thank yeah, you yeah yeah the thing about it is that the, the powers that we've employed that think the trust that we put in the powers that we've employed has now turned against us so i think that that's a interesting take on that idea as well right it's a it's yeah. a it's a fascist wasteland for everybody yeah absolutely absolutely and if you want to see these characters at their height all these books really show that as a family 
as a superhero team, as individuals, and in the way the individual matchups as characters have friendships that you didn't see in quite the same way before. Kitty and Storm, for instance, are just so amazing. And it's one of the real shame, shameful moments of the movie that you lose Kitty but, in the yeah. way that she was such the driving force of that. And that in, in the original book, she was, when she first joined the X-Men, she was petrified of Kurt. Mm-hmm. She was just, he was a demon to her. And when she goes back in time and sees him alive again, because he's, you know, spoiler alert, everyone's dead on that <laughs> cover. Everyone dies. Right. So now her older self has gone back into her younger self well, and sees Kurt. And is so thrilled to see him alive and to see everyone. That moment, it, it just gets mm-hmm. you to tear up just thinking about it. These are brilliant books, all of them. And I was so thrilled with what Marguerite did with this new one that it so perfectly captured the vibe of both hopelessness and hope. And that is hard to have both of those things happening at once and and be equal. Mm-hmm. And yet she did it. And that's what Claremont and Alan Davis did all those years ago. And that it's back that to me, as I said when we, I talked about this, and this has been my favorite of these books because it so honors those brilliant books of before. And Storm, the Storm and Kitty dynamic is part of it. There's a dynamic between Kitty and Rachel, Rachel Summers yes. mm-hmm. that you barely see in the original and you don't see it all in the film, um, but that becomes the heart of Excalibur, Kitty, yes. Rachel, and Kurt in particular. Um, and you see Kitty and Rachel in the new one, uh, Years of Future Past, but you also have uh, Peter, Colossus, mm-hmm. So you see the way that, you know, he and, and Kurt and Storm are, for instance. You see the way he and Kitty are, which is also a great dynamic. And for those of you who might have Wolverine fatigue, which is understandable, um, this is sort of the, the greatness of Logan in that he is resolved and he'll do what has to be done. But he's also thoughtful and sweet and loving, uh, you know, yes. to, to his forged family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's been dead for like a year now, so I don't think the, the, the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zeke is probably gone a little bit at this point. <laughs> uh, when he makes his first appearance in the original, it's pretty special. And Marguerite references it. I don't want to spoil too much because people are going to go back, but it is there are those Wolverine moments that maybe he, there was fatigue. There's just mm-hmm. too much Wolverine. When he shows up to do something, mm-hmm. it's, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. It is just, wow. Now... It's why people love this character back mm-hmm. then, and here's why. It's encapsulated in his stance, his words, his attitude, how he can be ruthless and loving at once. It is just amazingly mm-hmm. layered. And I would also add with ruthless and loving that you know the mystique that you see in the film Days of Future Past is sort of a misguided young woman who's um, caught between Xavier and Magneto. The the mystique in the comic of Days of Future Past is leading a team of mutants. Uh, And one of those mutants is her, like, 120-year-old girlfriend who was Sherlock Holmes's nemesis, Irene Adler. (laughs) But she's leading this team of mutants, and she's up against Storm, who is leading the Mm X-Men. And so there are literally these panels where these two women are standing and facing each other with all these other people behind them. Um, and for 1981, that was a big deal. Mm. Still a big deal for many people today. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Nicely chosen. 
So lots of future past. <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of, a lot of time travel going on. Yeah. yeah. Are the Excaliburs up on Marvel Unlimited? For those you know, who? What's, what is really annoying is there is a small... I, I anticipate that they will be, mm-hmm. because for a reason that I can't quite come up with, there's a gap of like 20 issues of Excalibur on Marvel Unlimited. It's like one to 100, and it's missing 20, and these two are two of them. So don't lose heart. I assume... Uh-huh. There's a reason for that, and it just needs to be addressed. I yeah. I, de- I can't be because of who wrote it. No, no, right. No, so it must be just some. Maybe yeah. they think there's not demand for it. I don't. I, know. I don't think they're just constantly adding stuff. I think I think a lot of those runs have holes in them. Like if you go through a lot of those runs, there are issues missing. So I think that they just got to wait for whatever the intern that does it to get <laughs> get the scanning. Well, done. yeah, I just had to update. <laughs> I mean, did 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 you get an update for Marvel Unlimited like in, in the last few days? I'm and, sure it's there. I and then know. when I updated it, yeah. it was like we've added seven thousand. I was like, what? Yeah. You know, so yeah. so I would anticipate that it would be there. Mm. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, for me, um, I was. Uh, I've been reading a lot of big two books lately, right? The two events that have happening, the relaunch of the DC stuff. It's been a lot of, especially for the show, a lot of like I want to read just about everything I can so that I can have I can under I can talk to their listeners and let them know what I think is good, what I think is bad. And it's been I for the most part I've liked everything that I've read, but there, and I haven't been not buying indie stuff because I've been buying the big two stuff. But it just seems like to me there hasn't been as much like new indie stuff that I've been interested in reading. So when that happens to me, I start to get a little bit fatigued with the, like the, the action cycle, I'll call it, you know, I, 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 I'm missing, you know, the, the little independent film in my big summer blockbuster, you know, you know, consumption. And so I went to fourth world comics, a local comic book shop here, and they have a little like, you know, staff recommendation section. Um, and it's mostly it's actually it's mostly like image pa- trade paperbacks, but there was one um, this this book called Three Story: The Secret History of the Giant Man, and it's uh, written and drawn by Matt Kent, um, and um, my management fame obviously, and it's a dark, from Dark Horse, the Dark Horse original, and it apparently came out in uh, two thousand and nine, or the stories were written in two thousand and nine, and it's uh, mo- like most of these Dark Horse stuff, it's a beautifully collected hardcover, um, and just like all of Matt Kent's stuff, it's this very unique. You know, very. Um, I don't even know. It's. It, I would call it watercolor painting, but it's not really watercolor. It's very pencil heavy, very almost like you colored know, pencils colored or pencil. Or yeah, whatever. colored yeah. pencil look to it, and it tells the story. Um, let me look. Make sure I get his name uh, right here. Of this, of this man named Craig uh, Pressgang, and he is this man who didn't. This boy who didn't stop growing, basically. Uh, um, and, you know, he, he, he's nine feet tall by the time he is, you know, in high school. And he keep, just keeps growing and growing and growing. He never stops growing um, to the point where he's, like, building size tall by, by, the, end of, by the end of his story. And it, it's, it's never from his perspective. It's told the perspective of three women in his life, his mother, his wife, and his daughter. Uh, and you get different aspects of, of his, his kind of personality and his relationship with people. It, it, does a, it does a very fascinating thing where, um, you know, it will show you the perspective of a conversation from one side and then not show you the second half of that perspective of that conversation until you're on that other person's story. That's very Matt Kent. Yeah, that, that's what I would. That's what I assumed. I had a feeling of, like, this is something he does. Pistol Whip yeah. has that all over. Okay. So, uh, but, you know, and it, it's not really about the the science of it. It's not about, it's not really a science fiction story, although it is kind of a science fiction tale, obviously. Um, it's about this man's relationship with these three people in his life um, and the way that they use, they use size as kind of a, a, uh, 
stand in for losing touch with, and the way relationships yeah. kind of fall apart, you know, and with his mother, his mother's the first story and, you know, he's kind of gone from her life, like, you know, when he goes to college and that's it. He's just, and she says like, he's too big for me or whatever at this point. And, and at that point it's, it's just, it's kind of a metaphor just for a son leaving home, you know, and how that affects the mother of, of, of a child. You know, it's not usually in that story, you follow the kid to college and you're not really, it's kind of those stories don't concern themselves with the mother anymore, but what that feels like. And, <clears throat> you know, this is a, a boy that she had, and this is not spoiler. This happens right at the beginning of the book that, he, you know, her his father was in the military. Like they um, they were together. He went away to war, and he died at war. And you know, they didn't even they weren't even like they hadn't been together that long. But she got pregnant, and she had the baby, and and he never met his baby or anything like that. So when he leaves to go to college, he's absolutely you know completely alone, and um, it deals with that, and then it deals with <clears throat> you know kind of the next person to kind of take the the flag is the wife, right? And, and she is, um, going along and he just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And at first they start out where they're just the right amount of size where kind of it's, it's fun and exciting. And, and, you know, they're, he kind of allows her to pursue her kind of dreams of being a designer. And she designs this giant, like huge house for him that he'll never be able to outgrow so that, you know, they can live together and it'll be great. And, but it's about like how they kind of, he gets bigger and they just start growing apart, you know, and it uses this kind of element to tell a real story about how these people just, they had so much in common when they were so young and then they just started dissipating after a while, you know, and, and their interests start to diverge and, and one is trying very hard to keep things together and the other one is really not anymore. And it's just, that's, that's how it goes. And then, um, you know, he kind of, at the point, when their story diverges we pick up with his daughter when his daughter's older because when we see his daughter she's very young and she's searching for her father and you know kind of tracking through all these sightings that that have been of this giant man walking across america and um it's just a really touching story of of what happens to people who are not her usually the story would be about this giant man who what is it like to be a man who grows, grows to be hundreds of feet tall but it's not about that it's about the other people in his life and it's very very emotional there, there's there's a scene there's a couple scenes that are just like stab you in the heart like you know um, emotional um and differing differing ways because like the mother you know you you feel bad for her but she's sort of very cold to him for a lot of time because she sees him as she sees the you know the the husband in him more than anything else but the wife is so incredibly like dedicated and sweet and then as you see their relationship start to tear apart it just it tears you apart because you see this person who's just kind of being left and literally d- dwarfed by this other person in, in, in their life. A- and then the daughter trying to figure out kind of who she is and where she came from, you know, by tracking down her father. All of it was just really, really great. I read it all in one sitting. It's it's a, a couple hundred, it's like a hundred and something pages long, but they're, they're small pages and it's much more about the visuals than it is about, about the writing. Uh, he barely speaks and the character barely speaks. It's all through other people's perspectives. Um, and it's intercut with like these kind of newspaper articles and there's like a mm-hmm. like a children's book like couple pages in here and you know all, all that kind of stuff where it kind of gives you context to, to what's going on in the world like outside and he kind of kind of becomes a legend and you see that through the through this this stuff um but it's it was really really fantastic really emotional uh just an amazing amazing read i i, I couldn't put it down when i picked it up awesome i have to get that yeah it's it's really great um, what you're saying it, it's the metaphor for growing up yeah it growing is growing apart mm-hmm. and it sounds as if it's so subtle mm-hmm. even in it, it, mm-hmm. its giantism yeah and that's that's what 
it is great science fiction. It doesn't have to be oh, yeah. science to mm-hmm. be science fiction in yeah. a way. And that's where uh, Matheson's Shrinking Man mm-hmm. was all these years ago. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows the movie from where it was not about the mechanics of how that happened. It's fun scenes to watch. I'm sure watching walking around the size of a building mm-hmm. is entertaining in yeah. some way, but it's what happens to the humanness yeah. of someone where those changes happen. Yeah. And there's this idea, right, that he goes to see a doctor and he, and he talks about a, a man who, you know, grew to be very tall, but not nearly as tall as this guy. And he says, you know, the biggest, the biggest threat to that guy's life was he was so tall that his nerves were delayed. So he would get a cut and he wouldn't feel it right away. And and they pray this idea much bigger into his life where it, it's it's not even just physical like feelings that he has trouble processing. It's even emotional stuff that oh. it just takes a very long time to hit him. And sometimes he takes so long and things get so small that he, he starts to fear. You, you get this one thing where you see like a you you hear like a like a diary entry by him, and he's talking about how he's scared that he's gonna one day he's not gonna feel what he feels for his wife now. He can oh, feel it slipping away sometimes, you know? And it, it is. It's completely yeah. heartbreaking. Um, and there's just one scene, especially with him and his wife, that just... It's just a still, one of the, they use that delay thing very, very well. And when the, like the, the, the hammer comes down, like when, it, when like that bit kind of hits, it's so... It's pulverizing. And, Damn. and he's got that kind of like... He's, a, he's a, a better... He's a better artist, right, than Jeff Lemire is, but they have a similar expression in their art, which is that there's a simplicity to it, but in the simplicity, there's a lot, a lot of emotion that they can draw out of out of their characters, and it, it used to great effect in, in this book. I want to read it. It's great. It's really, really great. So that's three story: the secret history of the giant man from Dark Horse, um, and it's uh, 1999. Who I talked about it last week, ever mm. so briefly, but who around the table has seen Inside Out yet? I haven't seen it yet. I really want to mm. see it really badly. All three of you need to see that movie. Yeah, um, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about comes up mm-hmm. in that, and. Uh, the idea of as as we get older and we get far further away from our childhoods, how certain ideals and and imagination and things disappear over time. How you hold on to certain memories while all the other stuff just kind of goes away because you need to make room for what's important and what gets lost in the process and what parts of yourself do you leave behind. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredibly powerful, especially if you have a daughter. It's mm-hmm. I would be very curious to hear your take on it. I, from from what I've heard from people who have seen it, they've told me that my daughter probably should not see it. Why not? She's eight, and she's very sensitive to conflict and drama. I mean, like she'll walk away from My Little Pony <laughs> if the, I'm not exaggerating. Right. You know, she has she has, it, and I and it's not even uh, you know impending violence really it's like impending somebody's going to get sad like she just doesn't oh it's all she of, will, it's all about sadness i know yep. so she will okay she has to walk away from that right then now maybe something for you now and something for her later yeah that that's what i'm hoping for because it sounds i mean everyone who's seen it says it's, it, it, it's mean, it sounds really it's great the best thing they've done in a long time yeah and i mean on the one hand i really i, I really value my daughter's empathy you mm-hmm. know it's wonderful mm-hmm. that she can so empathize with characters on the other hand i'm worried that she'll have a hard time as she gets older if she's at other kids houses and they're watching whatever and she's just like i'm out of here so we'll see how that goes <laughs> my daughter being talking comics contributor yes, <laughs> <she is>. Goodman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, what, one of the oh, I'm sorry. Bob, oh, go ahead. Um, just one of the things I saw it with my girlfriend, and I mean, one of the things that she took away from it was that it was so absolutely relatable that the Riley character, she goes, I've never, I've never seen a movie that like what it's like to be an 11 year old girl and going through the emotions and the things that she's going through and, and getting to that point in your life. She goes, I've never seen a movie, let alone an animated film from, uh, it was Pete doctor. So a male director and writer that got it so right in every regard. And I, you know, just, he, he made the movie for his daughter. Like that was, that was the whole point was him wanting to get to know. He interviewed her and sat down with her and spent time with her and helped shape the story around a lot of her experiences and stuff like that. And, uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful film. Awesome. So yeah. a little, little more free PR. I can't wait to yeah. see it inside out. <laughs> I got very excited the other day cause I went on to like voodoo on, on my PlayStation and ex machina. It, you can get it digitally. Now you could buy it digitally. Mm. So I'm going to get that and, and watch it. Cause I'm very excited to see that. I do want to see that. Um, let's talk about our book of the week. Okay. Mulan revelations. Number one, Stephanie's not here to talk about it. Of course she isn't. She's <laughs> never here when it's, when it's her time to pick the book. It's a trend. It is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big time trend. I can um, leave this with you. Ha ha ha. Steve, do you want to, do you want to stand in? Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. So, uh, Mulan revelations. Number one is from, uh, created by Robert Alter, uh, script by Mark and and art and cover by Micah. Oh boy. Uh, Kenishiro. I did it. Did. Yes. That, that sounds very right to me. Okay. Now I'm personally, I mean, we're going to get to our opinions. I'm a little muddy, uh, as far as the the start of the book, but basically, what you have is you have a steampunk version of uh, the Milan character who's fighting this epic war. Uh, it's a matter of life and death between uh, these two ancient races, and rather than lose the battle entirely, she gets pulled from this battle and kind of um, pushed way, 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 way forward in time mm. to preserve. Uh, her bloodline because she's she is important to winning the day and the situation that they leave the battle in is just it's not going to happen and they need it to so they push her into this future um but in doing so the opposing forces also kind of rein themselves in awaiting the day when they can try again and basically spend their time inserting themselves into the future as this kind of um like techno conglomerate that winds up installing like we've all seen it in a bunch of sci-fi films where they have you know tech installed into their brains you can make a phone call by thinking about somebody um everybody's kind of wired and laced with all this future tech and there is now a virus that has infected about 80 percent of their customers and is just growing and growing by the day and has actually started to affect the very people that created mm -hmm. it um, and it has now come time for Mulan to step up to the plate and realize who she's meant to be. Mm -hmm. So she's all, she's all like, let's get down to business. Yeah. <laughs> so it's weird because it's from the musical film by Disney Mulan. Okay. <laughs> That's what that song is from. All I remember is her climbing like the flagpole thing mm -hmm. and be like, what? Yeah. So I, I like that. That's movie. a good movie. It is a good movie. It's a, it's a very good movie. Yeah. Um, so that's the plot. Um, and do we want to do thoughts? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Okay. My thoughts, first off, excuse me, the artwork is spectacular. Uh, it's got this kind of crazy, almost like Bengal 
um, look to it, like painted panels of I, I can't the world reminds me of if you took Blade Runner and mixed it with a little bit of the fifth element uh, is, is my is my take on it. Uh, I think it does a really good job of drawing you into the story. I just don't know if it does the most fantastic job of telling you who your players and characters are. Um, I felt like I was supposed to know more about the Mulan character, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I've read it twice. I understand who she's meant to be, but all like that, how she came to be in the future and why she's so special and all of that stuff. I'm sure it's to come. This is only mm-hmm. an issue one, but um, it would have helped me to enjoy the story a little bit more if I had had a little bit more background and, and information. I got a lot of information about like what's happening in the story, mm-hmm. but for something that's called Mulan Revelations, I, I, I know probably the least about our main character. Yeah. She's Granted, she's very much in the dark, in in this story like she might not even remember her past life and and being you know catapulted into the future we don't know and it's part of that unknowing that mm. frustrated me a little bit throughout the book right um i think it's like again it's absolutely beautiful um it sure it leaves you on a really good note in like we're just about to push the gas pedal down and throw you into the action and and really give you a taste of, of what the series is going to be about um, it's just a really, it's a long wind up to a, to an odd pitch. Yeah. So that's pretty much my thoughts. All right. Bob, what about you? I have similar thoughts to you, Steve. I, I thought it was an interesting update, but I was a little confused. She's very much a blank slate mm-hmm. though. She has a brother. Yeah. Who's sort of a mooch. Yeah. Which is interesting. Like, I, I'm sure we will see where that's going to head, but we were dropped into the middle of the action, which mm. is which is always fun, and then dropped back into it again. Yes. So that, that repeat of that was sort of, okay, fool me once kind of deal. I thought the art, the layouts particularly, were really, really interesting. Uh, little bits and pieces. That you, you definitely said Blade Runner. I, I sort of wrote down, it's part Blade Runner, Omega Man, Magnus Robot Fighter, Rocket Girl. <laughs> yeah, so a little lot of Rocket things put together in, in interesting ways. I was a little put off by some of the sort of Greg Landy faces. <laughs> okay. There's some very sort of photoshopped kind of faces to me where I, I look yeah. at as if, okay, this has been traced from something else. I mean, there was... There I'm sure it wasn't, but... Yeah, I, there are definitely some panels, but there's also a couple panels that like I really enjoyed. I took a couple of Instagram photos uh, from this. There's one where she's on this kind of speeder bike. Oh, I love that. And love like, that scene. Like the tech that's in the book, like she she has this, uh, you choose it from a computer program and it 3D prints um, clothing onto you. Yeah. Like if you're going out for the night, you can pick a gown from the computer and it'll just print it onto your body, which I thought was really neat. But she gets onto the speeder and she just like plummets straight down into the city, kind of like a free fall. And just the, I lo- absolutely loved that panel. Like I love that whole like streaky lights across the city look that it has, but I mean, I I don't mean to like no, to no, we're, we're, time, no. but like I I like there are these ancient like animal spirit warrior things in the beginning. No, I I have no idea like not only who they are, but how is she associated with them? Are they spirits? Are they corporeal? I I, well, I don't know. Th- they do make it's not much of a spoiler because it's in the first couple of pages where they're bemoaning the idea that they 
seems like they bred with humans. Mm. There's one about hybrids and mm. the mistake that was. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, I think Mulan is probably part God, part human mm-hmm. okay. at some level. But that's all to come, I think. So mm-hmm. there was a nice build-up to a, an interesting finale, but I, th- I want to see more fleshing out. Yeah. I, mean, I could have been wrong here, uh, but I feel like the book would have been better served if it began with the future stuff and just kind yeah. of fed us flashbacks. the flashbacks as Mulan herself begins to realize mm-hmm. what she's been. Because, mm-hmm. I mean... They, the, the the rough idea of the story is not something that's completely obviously novel. It's there's an, like an ancient hero. She kind of gets what, what seems like she kind of gets either thrown forward in time or she gets like kind of like her memory wiped or something. And she's just kind of living in this future time and doesn't remember where she came from. And now all of a sudden someone's coming to her and saying, you are the chosen one. That's kind of what the deal is here. It's, you know, every other story that's ever written is, is kind of this yeah. idea in, in some way or the other. But I feel like, like you said, Steve, the beginning is, I think, a little bit confusing, right? And and I think they're probably calling on probably some mythology that I'm not familiar with. You know, mm-hmm. this happens a lot when uh, I watch some Asian-influenced, um, you know, cinema or, or read books. There's There's shorthand of stuff that, as Westerners, we don't get because we are used to Western mythology being shorthanded for us, not Eastern mythology, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like that's probably what's going on here. But yet, I, I think that... You're right, Steve. This idea of like there, they seem like it seems like a war between like two factions of gods or something. You know, it seems like there's like the bad ones and the good ones, and they're fighting and they're using humans as kind of their like their their soldiers. That's what it feels like to me in in, yeah. in a lot of ways, right? Um, and Mulan is the one that can save them, but this is not going to be the time where it's going to happen. We have to regroup and send her forward, and then when we'll be ready. And there's obviously a around her, people who know who she is, people who know what's going on, and people who don't, I think, as well. Um, I thought the future stuff was really engaging. I thought that mm-hmm. the art, like you both said, is gorgeous. Um, and I thought it gave a great sense of, of the world in which she was living. But I think that that beginning is a real hamper for the book because it, I felt behind the eight ball. And then mm-hmm. the time I felt like I was, I was, I was like, okay, now we're just in this future time and I'm not supposed to know anything else going on, I was many pages into the book and I was still kind of, you know, they, they always say when you, when you when you lose somebody's attention, it's really, really hard to get it back and it took pages and pages for me to kind of get back into the flow of the story. Right. Yeah, Steve. Um, one of the things I'll say about it that I, I really enjoyed and maybe not something that I've seen in a lot of books is um, as far as like the, the villains go, like they've had, they, they know the deal, right? Like they've been around forever mm-hmm. so they've kind of had all of this time to prepare and the impression that I'm getting from where they are in the story is not that they've gotten lazy, but that they're, they're kind of disgusted with their own progress. Mm -hmm. And now they're faced with this thing that they've had all this time to, you know, insert themselves into the society, into the technology and basically be the puppet masters for the future. But they're finding that this, this anomaly in their plan, this virus that's going around has kind of unhinged them and right at the time where they're trying to, you know, conquer and 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 enact their plan, this unknown force is coming in and is just screwing everything up for them. Mm-hmm. And I I like the idea of villains kind of having their hands tied behind their back and quite possibly needing the very person that they've been meant to destroy oh. might be the key to their salvation. Mm-hmm. So I like I, I I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Carolyn, someone hasn't read the book. Do you have any questions for us? 
no. But <laughs> I, I mean, I think I think your plot summary it, it sounded mm-hmm. like a coherent story, but I did it sounded really excellent. Yeah. I know that. I know that because I didn't read it. Um, uh, but it it sounds to me like your concerns are rather similar. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, that that. I, Again, I feel like a broken record when I say this about books like this, but like if this was like a hardcover, like collected volume and it was just not released, not no, I'm saying when the collected and trade just as it came out, like here's Mulan Revelations and you get to just read it all. Yeah. I, I already feel like it would be read better. better that way than than it's reading now. So, yep. uh, but I think it's interesting. Like I, I it's an interesting take. I, I, I like the idea. I like playing with mythological figures in different time periods and and you know changing up the story in different ways mm-hmm. um you know I, I think that you know she's a character that people know from that disney movie and that, and that's really it so if this is able to dig into different parts of that story even though it's doing like a future thing you know if it's able to dig into different aspects of her story that maybe aren't just the disney-fied version i think that would be like a cool thing to do yeah yeah. Uh, if I may, really quick, because mm-hmm. uh, you spoke about Harrow County number two, mm-hmm. and I wasn't here, I believe, for when we did Harrow County that Bob picked. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. I read both one and two. I am positively in love with oh. that book. Book's awesome. Like through and through, it's one of my favorite things yeah, that I've read this year. Two like yet, I know so. with the shared books, like we kind of go back and mm-hmm. forth, and there's a lot of like whatever every week. Mm-hmm. If I was here, I would have fawned all over that thing. <laughs> I love it to pieces. It scared the crap out of me. It made me want to sit down and write out my own stuff. Like mm-hmm. they ask in the in the letters column, they're like, "If you've got a spooky story mm-hmm. to tell us, like I have several." Mm-hmm. And I like it made me want to sit and write them down. The artwork is brilliant. I just I loved every single page of of both of those issues. So I just want to throw that out there. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I I do have a question. Yeah. Um, I maybe I'm imagining this, but did. One of you say last week that Dark Horse was now going to be on Comixology? Yes, yes. but they're not all their number ones are on there yet because this wasn't on there. It was not. No, yeah, no, it wasn't on there. Uh, they announced that they were gonna they were coming to it, and but I think right now it's back issues. I don't know if they're doing number ones yet on there because um, I looked as well. Uh, then I read the review copy because I couldn't get a Comixology <laughs> and I didn't feel like start creating a Dark Horse account. So I, I felt that that was a deterrent as well. Yes, definitely, definitely a deterrent. Um, so we do have some reactions from, from oh, our good. community. Um, Hubert, who's stimuli file on Twitter, says, Went into this one blind, and I was pleasantly surprised when the story jumped into the future. Intriguing story. Not sure if it needed to piggyback off Mulan lore. Art was good, but the color contrast made it hard to make out some panels. Hmm. Um, Chris, who's at Huge Tiny Mistakes, says, Not my kind of book, <laughs> but I can see how others would like it. Uh, Music City Comics, who's at Just Drew VG, says, Mulan Revelations has a great aesthetic, but jumps between scenes and locations a bit too much. This is clearly for someone, just not me. Uh, Mike, who's at Liberal Bastion, says, I really like the book. I feel like they got a lot um, into, uh, they got a lot of, I don't know what PF info out of, a lot, a lot of a lot pf info i was uh, trying to figure that probably out probably of right uh, a lot of yeah probably you're right probably right about that yeah. what was it what? of <laughs> you know like like owned yeah, yeah. Oh. became just, pwm yeah. Yeah, i was the same thing uh got a lot of of info out without seeing dense fun cool art too um maria nora says this comic will help you get down to business to defeat the huns um <laughs> and uh Andrew Kalinsky at Bookend57 said, Mulan Revelations has an intriguing premise with a great lead character. I like the Kung Fu Panda ghosts, too. Nice. 
They are very Kung Fu Panda. Yes. I love, you know what I really have enjoyed about the shared book of the week? Not only having the discussions, but we're hearing from a lot of new people mm-hmm. every week with these different things and for different books and different reasons. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, it's awesome. Bob, you're picking this week. I am picking this week. So I hope Stephanie's listening, if not today. She's not listening. I don't, uh, don't, even, don't hope that. She's not listening. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking good thoughts. Okay. Because I think she really, she's really going to like reading this one. I'll tell her that you what you picked, but she's not going to listen to the show. Well, but she's going to have to read it for next week. Yeah, if she's here. <laughs> Stop ruining the, your harsh in my vibe, man. Maybe when she's unpacking, she'll just <laughs> yeah. have this on in the background. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Says See, bummer, thank man. you. Thank you, Carol. <laughs> Well, my book is from Image, and it's written by Brian K. Vaughan. The artist is Steve Scrochi, or Scroche. It could be either. Shush. Shush. Anybody knows where that's from. It is the number one first issue of We Stand on Guard. (laughs) Uh, The description is, is, I'll just read it right from Midtown Comics. Why not? Saga writer Brian K. Vaughan teams with artistic legend and matrix storyboard artist Steve Scrochi. Scroach. Scrooch. Scourge. It's all of those, actually. For an action-packed military <laughs> thriller that will have everyone talking. 100 years from now, a heroic band of Canadian civilians must defend their homeland from invasion by the United States of America. Amazing. <laughs> the hyper-detailed combat between badass freedom fighters and giant effing robots begins with a spectacular 40-page first issue for the regular price of just two mm. We're coming so. for your health care, Canada. Yeah. Watch yes. out. We're coming. Giant effing robots. Who am I going to root for in this? I'm so torn. America, obviously. Uh, I don't know. Why do you hate America, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> we don't put our milk in bags. <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn also wrote some uh, good Buffy comics. He I did. I recommend them. Took over right after Joss finished in the first, right? Mm-hmm. Did he? Some Faith ones, I think. He did do some Faith ones, but uh, did he? He didn't do season eight, season nine, right? I think only eight. Eight, yeah, only eight, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Canada, giant effing robots, right up Stephanie's alley, yeah. right up everyone's alley. Mm-hmm. Come on, yeah. giant robots. And the cover is this little building with a Canadian flag sort of tattered and a robot that looks to be about 400 feet tall. <laughs> I'm so in. Yeah, yeah. That'll, this, that'll be this fun. should be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. The book I'm most excited for, though, is Airboy number two comes out this week. And I'm very, very excited because I love that first issue. The I, co- I bought it. I haven't read it yet. Haven't read I bought it? it. The cover looks pretty amazing. The cover is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of giant stuff did anybody see i guess there's a new attack on titan trailer but i did not see it i did not Ooh. watch it no okay i don't watch the i haven't i've seen one episode of the the anime so i don't mm. know no, it was for the isn't it for the live action? it is for live action but i mean like i don't, I don't like I, I don't immediately go like oh, i want to watch that trailer because i just don't have i know people love it but i don't have that same no, uh, i i had never read yeah. or watched any of it but yay misfits yes you, <laughs> you uh got me to read the first one and now i'm on number 15. Wow. <laughs> That's oh, right. The manga? Book 15. Damn. Wow. Wow. Now it's I've only seen absolutely great. I think about maybe four or five episodes of the show. Mm. And um, I just, I couldn't, keep, I, I, I need to get back to it. I, I, it wasn't gripping me though. There's a lot of popular anime that people recommend to me that I sit down and watch. And when I don't like it, I feel awful mm-hmm. about not liking it. I would recommend reading it instead because after I read the first few, I started to watch it and I felt like it, it's very, it, um, it's suspenseful all the time. Uh-huh. And so when you're reading it, 
you can get through it much more quickly. Yeah. When I watched it, I felt like this, come on, come on, come on. It felt slow. Oh. I used to watch pretty much every every anime under the sun. And in recent years, I've gotten very picky about what I watch because I've just, I've been watching it for so long that I'm seeing so much of the same themes and attitudes and even the dialogue repeated in other shows that it's very rare that I come across anything that's doing something new. But that being said, there is so much of it out there that, I, I mean, there's there's so much to be had. I just watched something called, like, Madoka Magica that was spectacular. Did you hear that, Maria? <laughs> oh, she knows. Oh, we talked about it. The last two episodes will blow your mind. Like, absolutely blow your mind. I, I was sitting with, like, four of my friends. We were all watching it. Two of them had already seen it. And they're just, like, sitting there, hunched over, waiting for our reactions. And my friend Brendan and I are just like, what? <laughs> so it was insane. It was absolutely insane. I, I loved it. So there's like there's stuff out there for everyone. Um, I just, I tend to go for a little bit, some of the more under the radar stuff. But I definitely want to check out the rest of uh, Attack on Titan. You're an it's... anime hipster? It was, uh, <laughs> I remember. Oh, people know this? Well, I hate it. <laughs> I write about animation, right? So, like, I've got to dip my toe into into all the pools and whatnot. I just, I, I feel awful because I've kind of strayed from the anime in in recent years, and now I find myself being an old man about it. <laughs> I don't like myself, <laughs> but whatever. I still get to sleep. Mm. It's good. I'm glad he can sleep at night. Me too. <laughs> if they made anime on vinyl, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just got my, my failure album on vinyl yesterday. There you go. Oh, I kissed it. It's beautiful. <laughs> Playing it nonstop. <laughs> All right, so we got some Marvel stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. A lot of news dropped from Marvel. Um, not of their own volition. <laughs> As such things are nowadays. <laughs> yes. uh, somebody, like I said before, somebody dumped the entire uh, Marvel catalog that's coming out today for you. So really, I'm not, we're not really spoiling anything for you. It's actually very timely for us because probably you're walking to your store seeing all these things. But somebody dumped that entire Marvel's preview onto Imager uh, with every single thing that's there. Uh, we're going to put a comprehensive list on, on the site, but uh, right now I, I'm going dual off Imager and off CBR are the two places that mm-hmm. I'm uh, go- getting this stuff off of. Um, one second here. Let me get the imager up. I'm going to get CBR up on my iPad. I'm multi-devicing here because I'm worried about stuff failing on me. Some of these covers are so intense. Yeah. Um, and the so, tags, too. Yeah, absolutely. So what we'll do, uh, we'll just kind of, I'm going to run down the titles and the teams, and then mm-hmm. we'll go back and I have, and we'll talk about like the ones we're excited for and, and, and stuff like that. Um, but I just want to get them out of there kind of as a, for everyone to hear. So I'm starting at the list of this. So uh, we have Carnage number one, with, uh, written by Jerry Conway, with art by Mike Perkins. Uh, Descent into Madness is the tagline for that. Venom, Space Knight, uh, written by Robbie Thompson, <laughs> who writes Silk as well. Art by Ariel Olivetti. Uh, Sometimes a hero needs a little space is the tagline on that one. That's cute. Uh, Ultimates number one, written by Al Ewing, art by Kenneth Rockefort. Ultimate problems need ultimate solutions. Um, the the roster looks like it includes Black Panther, Spectrum, Blue Marvel, Miss America, Captain Marvel, and uh, Galactus. Yeah, what the <laughs> heck? All right, we'll talk hey, about it in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Web Warriors number one, uh, written by Mike Costa with art by David Baldion. Uh, Defending the Spider Verse uh, looks like it will include Spider Man India, Spider Ham, Spider Gwen, Spider Man Noir, Anya Corazon, and Spider UK. Um, which, if you you know, Red Spider Verse. You will recognize a lot of those th- those characters. 
Spider-Man 2099, number one, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney, the same team that was writing, doing it before. Uh, Smack to the Future is the name is the tagline for that. Uh, he's a redesigned costume, which I said to Bob off mic before, somehow looks even more 90s than the costume that was created <laughs> yeah. in the 90s. It, it's crazy. Um, Spider-Woman number one, uh, didn't Dennis Hopeless and Javier Rodriguez, same team that's been doing it on the last five, or five issues. Uh, Parent by day, hero by night is the tagline, and Jessica Drew looks to be pregnant uh, on, on the cover of Spider-Woman. Uh, Daredevil number one, uh, written by Charles Soule with art by Ron Garney, uh, The Devil's Apprentice. Um, people are summarizing on this cover, it looks like Gambit. Apparently I've heard that it's not Gambit, that's a new yes, character, uh, though it looks like him, so... Uh, Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D., number one, written by Frank Barbieri, art by Brent Schooniver. Uh, to fight the monsters of the world, we need the monsters of the night. Uh, the Commandos will include the Hitmonkey, Man-Thing, Werewolf by Night, an undead Jasper Sitwell, Manphibian, and Dum 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 Dugan, among others. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that cover later. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man, number one, written by Dan Slott, with art by Giuseppe Camancoli. On Your Friendly Neighborhood Just Got Bigger. There was a much bigger story about this um, on MTV News, I believe, broke the story. It's going to be much more globetrotting. Parker Industries is now global. Spider-Man's going to be solving crimes all over the world. The Spider-Mobile is coming back. Nice. And it seats two. That's what Dan Slott said about it. So. Wasn't that in Jamaica Bay or something? <laughs> they get dumped into the harbor. Um, Spider-Man number one, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Sarah Pacelli. Welcome to the Marvel Universe, Miles Morales. Hope you survive the experience. Uh, Ant-Man number one, written by Nick Spencer with art by Ramon Rosanos, which is the same team as before. Yes. Once a criminal, dot, 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 question mark. Um, Scott Lang's supporting cast will feature Grizzly along with Whirlwind, Porcupine, and Beetle. Um, those aren't even B-list characters. No, They're no. Right to C and D. That could be there are Some of those characters of are... Superior? Superior foes of Spider-Man characters, and they're in the they were in the Ant-Man run going on just before. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that, I, that I, book is amazing. Um, Silk number one, uh, written by Robbie Thompson and Stacey Lee, same team as before. The tagline for this is the Sinister Silk. Yeah. So questions about whether or not she's going to be a bad guy or not. We'll get to, we'll cover that yeah. in a little bit. Uncanny Avengers number one, written by Gary Jerry Dugan, art by Ryan Stegman, fighting for humanity, inhumanity, mutants, and Deadpool. Uh, the lineup books include Spider-Man, Quicksilver, a new female character, Brother Voodoo, Steve Rogers, Rogue, Human Torch, and Deadpool. Um, That's an interesting lineup. Yes, very interesting lineup. Uh, Uncanny X-Men number one, written by Cullen Bunn with art by Greg Land. Bigger threats require more threatening X-Men. Depicted in the reflection of Magneto's helmet are Psylocke, Mystique, Phantom X, and Sabretooth. Uh, All New Wolverine, number one, written by Tom Taylor with art by David Lopez. Best there is at what she does is is the tagline for that. All New X-Men, written by Dennis Hopeless with art by Mike Mark Bagley. On a mission to make their own future is the tagline for that. Looks like Beast, Cyclops, Angel, and Iceman, along with X-23 in her new Wolverine suit. Uh, Extraordinary X-Men, number one, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Humberto Ramos. Still hated, still feared, still standing. Featuring Adult Iceman, Storm, Colossus, Magic, Old Man Logan, Teen Jean Grey, and Nightcrawler. Um, that appears to be uh, Storm leading the team as well in, in that book. Old Man Logan, number one, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Andrea Sorrentino. Older, wiser, sharper is the tagline for that one. Nova, number one, uh, written by Sean Ryan with art by Corey Smith. The Family Business is the tagline for that. Karnak, number one, written by Warren Ellis with art by Gerardo Zaffino. Uh, the Flaw in All Things is the tagline for that. Hawkeye, number one, uh, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Ramon Perez. Hawkeye versus Hawkeye is the tagline for that. And it looks like old Hawkeye from Old Man Logan and like 1602 or Old West Kate from that book they're oh. going to be putting out soon. So I don't know what it's going to be. No idea, but that's what it looks like on the cover. Um, 
No, the Hawkeye in the other book, which we're going to talk about in a second, is regular, like, young-looking Clint. So, uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America, number one, written by Nick Spencer, with art by Daniel Acuna. Uh, who do you stand with? Now, the cover shows Steve and, and uh, Sam kind of separated by a, by a rip. We kind of knew that was going to happen, judging by all new, all different Avengers. Um, who knows what that's going to be? I'm also interested in what the tone of that book's going to be, considering Spencer is writing it. Yeah. And he's known to be a little bit more zany. Uh, new Avengers, number one, written by Al Ewing, art by Geraldo Sandoval. Avengers idea mechanics. We aim to help. The lineup looks to include yeah. Songbird, Hawkeye, Wiccan, Hulkling, Squirrel Girl, and Sunspot. Um... Interesting team. Illuminati number one, written by Josh Williamson, art by Sean Crystal. Forever Evil is the tagline for that. Along with the hood, the cover looks to include silhouettes of Absorbing Man and possibly Eric O'Grady slash Black Ant. Um, Scarlet Witch number one, uh, written by James Robinson with art by Kevin Wada. Uh, Seeing Red is the tagline for that. Star-Lord number one, written by Sam Humphreys. Uh, cover artist is Dave Johnson. We don't have a, we don't have an interior artist yet for that book. Feels like the first time. Feels like the very first time is the tagline for that. Guardians of the Galaxy number one, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by uh, Valerio Shidi. Uh, the Raccoons in Charge is the tagline for that. Uh, the new Guardians roster looks to include Venom, Drax, Rocket, a new female Star Lord, Thing, and Groot. Um, Spider Gwen number one, written by Jason Latour, art by Robert Rodriguez. The Secret History of Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker is the tagline for that. Ms. Marvel number one, G. Will Wilson, art by. Takeshi Miwazawa and Adrian Alfana. Uh, Crushed It is a tagline for that. Best cover. <laughs> uh, Drax, number one, written by CM Punk with Colin Bunn. Art, uh, cover artist, Ed McGinnis, so we don't have an interior artist for that yet. Uh, Best in the Galaxy is the tagline of that. Angela uh, Asgard's Assassin, number one, written by Marguerite Bennett. Art by Kim Jacinto and Stephanie Hans. Um, Hell Hath a New Fury is the tagline for that. Howard the Duck number one, yes again, is actually the title of it. Uh, written by Chip Cesarski, art by Joe Quinones. Howard uh, gets a new hat is the tagline of that one. Uh, Deadpool number one, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Mike Hawthorne. Uh, more Deadpool than you wanted is the tagline for that. Squadron Supreme, James Robinson and Leonard Kirk. Uh, sole survivors of their own worlds, they'll do anything to protect this one. Uh, the Mighty Thor number one, written by Jason Aaron, Jason Aaron with art by Russell Dowderman. Uh, the the flesh may be weak, but the thunder is strong. Is a title is a subtitle for that. Agents of Shield number one, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by uh, cover artist is Mike Norton. I guess we don't have an interior artist for that either yet. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Vision number one, written by Tom King, with art by Gabriel H. Walta. A bold new vision for the Marvel Universe, which apparently includes creating a family and moving to the suburbs. Yes. Uh, Uncanny and Humans, <laughs> written by Charles Soule, with art by Steve McNiven. The silence is broken. Is the tagline for that. Contest of Champions, number one, written by Al Ewing with art by Paco Medina, When Heroes Gather. Um, Captain Marvel, number one, Tara, written by Tara Butters and Michelle Fazekas, art by Chris Anka. Captain Marvel Rises. Uh, all new, different, all new, all different Avengers. Mark Wade is the writer. Adam Kubert and Mahmoud Asrar are the artists. Earth's most dedicated heroes is the tagline of that. Um, it's Thor, Jane Foster, Vision, Ms. Marvel, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Nova, Iron Man, and Captain America, Sam Wilson. Doctor Strange, written by Jason Aaron with art by Chris Bocciolo. Some surgery requires a scalpel, some an axe. Is a tagline for that. He's just flying around with a big axe. Yeah, the totally awesome Hulk, number one, <laughs> written by Greg, Greg Pack with art by Frank Cho. Tagline, who is the Hulk? A-Force, number one, written by G. Willow Wilson. Cover artist Victor Abanez. We don't guess we don't have an interior yet for that. A-Force, to be reckoned with, is the tagline. And, of course, Invincible Iron Man, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by David Marquez. Upgrade is the slogan for that. All right. So, that's a lot of books. That's a lot of uh, books. Roughly 45 titles. Um, 
I, though the I guess they didn't put it on here because it's already been announced. But we know that the Nicole Parlman Gamora, Gamora book is coming. Uh, the number one hasn't come out yet, so we don't know when that that's hitting. But we'll that's assumedly still part of the schedule because they they've talked about it. So uh, we'll assume that that is part of it as well. So uh, Steve, what are you excited? What what books stood out to you immediately? I re- I really I was actually going to ask you if you could give me the password for our Wi Fi. Oh. <laughs> well, not on the not on air. I <laughs> I, I had it and uh, I and then I went to go and refresh because I was like missing like six images and now I don't have it. So can you come back to me? Yeah, sure. All right, thanks. Bob, what about you? List? <laughs> we have the old paper list. <laughs> I've been loving what Al Ewing did with Mighty Avengers mm-hmm. and before all these myriad titles came out, so a contest of champions. And I was, oh great, heroes trapped fighting for this, I gave up Mighty Avengers. <laughs> and then you go run down this list. The Ultimate, <laughs> for me, that's the, that's the book that strikes me right away because some of these characters coming out of Mighty Avengers, Blue Marvel, uh, Monica back again, uh, Ms. America, and then throw in Galactus? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I want to read that. <laughs> that's just a book I really, really want to read. Uh, the Uncanny Avengers, I assume it's the Android Human Torch because the Johnny Storm Human Torch... Is hanging around with the Inhumans, right? Right. Yeah. So I think this is Steve and mm. Jim Hammond again. Mm. So I really love the idea of that. Uh, James Robinson, I love. So Scarlet Witch, I think will be a lot of fun. I was iffy about Squadron Supreme until they attached his name to it. It seemed like really dark. Squadron Sinister should be. Mm-hmm. They were the bad guys. Squadron Supreme, they're the Justice League. So I, I'm now looking forward to that one. So New Avengers, uh, Songbird, Hawkeye, sure. Though that where that leaves the Thunderbirds without... Mm. Uh, Thunderbolts, Thunderbirds. Now I, think <laughs> of old, now I think of old British television shows. Love that whole idea. Sunspot in the Hickman run, mm-hmm. you know, they bought AIM. Mm. So yeah. I think that's a really nice jump off to that. And it's, you know, Avengers idea mechanics. It's mm. brilliant. <laughs> Someone sat around, they threw ideas around a table like we're sitting here now and <laughs> came to that. Yeah, and the ones I've ever even read, Ms. Marvel, Mighty Thor, certainly. Howard is going to be great. Some of those little changes. The pregnant Spider-Woman mm-hmm. run's been great so far, the, the new five issues. Mm-hmm. I want to see what happens with Silk because I've mm-hmm. really been enjoying the heck out of that. And some of these others, it's going to be what happens. Yeah, let me, let me pick up a book and mm-hmm. look. Had we thought about Charles Soule with Daredevil? We so a listener had mentioned to us before, and we had brought it up because we had I had said I forgot who I said Joshua Williamson or something like that, and someone's yeah. like oh, Charles Soule, yeah, <laughs> like a lawyer, yeah, might be great. And uh, Ron Garney did such great work with Mark Wade on mm. Captain America years ago. Mm-hmm. So that one, you know, there's some really good stuff here. The other fifteen, mm. we'll start throwing some ideas around yeah. later. I think. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Carolyn, what about you? I second most of that, <laughs> uh, somewhat unsurprisingly. I heard um, an interview with Tara Butters and Michelle Fizekas on um, Women of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Do you know that podcast? Yeah, yeah. And um, I was interested to hear, I mean, they basically said right off the bat that they didn't come in and, and pitch for mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. They um, they were invited, mm-hmm. um, that Sana Amanat, uh, who who was an editor and now her title is director of content and character mm-hmm. development, that she approached them to do it because she felt that with Peggy Carter, they had taken a character that was solid, but sort of brought her to her full potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it sounded like 
my, my point being, it sounded like it, it was, it's more top down and where it's going. Um, so that's just kind of interesting to think about from a business standpoint, mm-hmm. um, that they wanted her in space, that they, um, Sana Amanat in this interview said something to the effect of, I, you know, she kind of, it's it kind of like a battle star mm-hmm. and that Carol would be a diplomat and a soldier, mm-hmm. but that her mission would really be clarified and she would be bouncing off Abigail Brand mm-hmm. as sort of the first line, uh, Abigail Brand being of... Sword, Sword. Mm-hmm. coming from Joss Whedon's astonishing X-Men run. I don't remember what Sword stands for. Anyone? Uh, I don't remember. Something worlds. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember. First line of defense yeah. against aliens, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Although Abigail Brand, I believe, is part, is half alien. Mm-hmm. Hence her green hair. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Captain Marvel, uh, Ms. Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy. I was assuming that's Kitty Pride. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually Justin t- texted me today. He's like, "You think the new Star Lord's Kitty Pride?" And I was like, "That makes complete sense. That that would, that would be Kitty Pride, right?" Because yeah. Peter proposed to her. Yeah, and I she said yes, right? I think so. Yeah, and and she's been part of that book for a while now, and she's done appearing in any of these other X Men materials. Well, that was going to be my next yeah. question. I, I won't scroll to it on my phone right now, but on the cover of all new X Men, where she's been, and she's been like Professor K, mm-hmm. and she's been sort of the caretaker of the original x-men mm-hmm. as teens come to the future is she in the car uh i don't know actually. because i thought maybe that was her in the car and then i wasn't sure hmm. i don't know actually so whoever can look the fastest and, that's a, and answer that's a, that's that, a that, good question that would be good <laughs> um all new all different avengers i have a question about um it, it's adam kubert right yes that's yeah. not the same person that did x-men in the 90s right is that a different is that i want to say Andy? Yes, There's also Andy Kubert. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I don't. I'm not sure if that. Uh, I don't. I don't know if who did what. I mean, Adam Kubert did. Um, I think it was Andy back then. I think it was, but yeah. I can't yeah. remember mm. offhand. Um, so I'm interested in that. I'm interested in extraordinary X Men. I. It's. A, it seems like Young Gene will kind of fill the the Kitty role mm-hmm. in in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would prefer Magic's clothes to be different. <laughs> <laughs> This is true. Uh, but but that is uh, a different issue, I guess. I'm looking forward to uh, Miles Morales as as the Spider-Man, mm-hmm. you know, adjectiveless um, mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Um, what else? Spider-Woman pregnant. I guess I would say you're still a parent at night. I hate to tell you. It's a, tw- <laughs> it's a 24-hour job, Jess. <laughs> so look out for that. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I, I was reading an academic article recently by Jeffrey Brown who also has a book on, on um, women action heroines called Dangerous Curves. Uh, it's, it's a little bit about comics, but mostly about films. But anyway, in this article, he talks about how nobody, no one has kids in superhero comics. Um, and if they do, it usually requires the woman to give kid up for adoption or drop out of superheroing for kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the, the equivalent male parent doesn't, tend to do that in the same way. And mm. I was trying to think of counterexamples, but I couldn't actually think of any. <laughs> Can any of you think of any? Sue. Yeah. The first one's the best example. That, you mean like they just incorporate the kids? The kids in? were part of the book. I mean, yeah. early on, there were, some, there were some issues. You know, Franklin being the most powerful mutant in the Marvel Universe caused a problem. And, but they had, Sue stepped away to, when he was really, really little. When he was a little older, they had a nanny who happened to be a witch which was always helpful, Agatha Harkness. 
and they were always part of the the family. It was all part of the group. And then we saw that completely expressed through Hickman's and then Fraction's mm-hmm. FF. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Well um, done. So Jeffrey, read some fantastic for you. You'll, you'll be charmed. Looking at this all new X Men cover, it's actually at the top of it is them all under their superhero garb. The 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 van is them in like regular garb. Oh, so, Beast so is it's a, the same people who are yeah, outside the car. Yeah, so Beast okay. is on the t- oh. on top. Angel is flying. Uh, Bobby is on the passenger seat. Cyclops is driving, and X twenty three is uh, in the in the passenger seat. Okay, so yeah. so then that lends more credence to the idea that it would yeah. be Kitty. I think it has to be because because if it was a new character, they wouldn't be like the new Star Lord. You know, they would they would say like this. They would say a character's name. You know, and, and it wouldn't matter because it would be a new character. You know, so I think it's got to be it's got to be Kitty because yeah. she's not she's done any of the X Men promotion materials and that would be odd because even through all the time she's always been one of the front and center people that they've that they've kind of sold books on so i assume she's going to be okay yeah. yeah i would agree with that yeah um uh what else do i have down i'm a little wary of sam wilson comma captain america i i, I don't want my two dads to fight <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I want them to get along and, and hold hands and fight crime um and that's why i was concerned about what's that other al ewing one Contest of Champions. Contest of Champions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. punching stuff is cool. I'm yeah. all for punching stuff, but I, but, but not for a whole book. Yeah. I think. Didn't I we do enough of little... that punching stuff lately? <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be like almost anthologized. You know, like it's going to be like almost like they did with A plus X or all those kind of books. You know, where they mm. did those little like two stories in one kind of thing, mm. and they go. But it's all written by Al Ewing, so I don't. I guess it's probably not what it's going to be. Um, I did like that it had Future Imperfect. Hulk on the yeah, front of it. Yeah, that was give cool. Give him the thumbs up, thumbs yeah, down. Yeah, that was cool. I wonder how they're going to do it. I, I, I wonder how this all is going to work because I, what I think I do really like about everything is it seems like they're not getting rid of everything that happens in Secret Wars. It seems like a lot of those characters are coming over and are going to be part of this the, the pizza that's stuck after they yeah, dump yeah. the pizza off the table or whatever the hell we they're stuck. We mashed two with pizzas, pizzas together. Stop. Their stupid metaphor was. It seems like some of that stuff is, is, is going to stay, so... So for those who don't like anchovies, you're in big trouble. Yeah, big trouble. Yeah. Any more things you're really excited for? Um, I look. Are we saying who we think the Hulk is? Or are you just still referring people to the website where yeah. you I wrote mean, the I'm, thing? I'm, no, no. Amadeus Cho is 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 what we. Th- I the source that we have called the creative team completely. So I'm going to say that it's almost definite that it's going to be Amadeus Cho as the character. Um, the the way the kind of character, the way the character's dressed, the the fact that they've blacked out the hand. Makes me think it's Amadeus Cho. The kind of hairstyle that seems to be under that thing seems like it seems like Amadeus Cho's hairstyle. So I think it's going to end up being Amadeus Cho. So as much as I love Bruce Banner, who mm-hmm. doesn't love you know tortured mm-hmm. scientist, mm-hmm. I'm worried about my power, Bruce Banner. I mean, the the idea of someone liking the power, I mm-hmm. think, could be really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, eventually it'll change back anyway. Yeah. Like, but uh, I, I, Banner's supposed to, supposed to still be part of the universe. He's still going to be doing something. So we haven't seen his face mm-hmm. pop up anywhere yet either. So I wonder where that's going to be. Well, that whole enjoying the power of the Hulk, that's what made the She-Hulk run work so well when it was sensational. Yeah. Right? Or, or Roger Stern used her in the Avengers. Yeah. This is pretty cool being seven foot tall and green and I can do all the things I wanted to and just yeah. go for it. So character embracing it. Over the years, Bruce has had his intelligence power mm-hmm. the Hulk to do good things. So it, it's a great way to look back and forward at the same time. Yeah, And I think that actually Pac referenced She-Hulk when he had his interview about the oh, announcement really? of the book and how the, the character is going to have a lot of, a lot of fun. So I think that that was that's part of the idea behind it. Um, yeah, the, the the name of the book is is bad. Yeah, it's totally awesome. It's totally awesome. <laughs> Hulk is kind of bad. I mean, it's very descriptive. Yeah, but 
I wish it wasn't called Totally Awesome Hulk. Yeah. And and at some point, yes, I would like to say something about the cover too, Howling Commandos. We will. And, and also Squadron Supreme, and also just sort of the general diversity yeah. across We're the definitely going to talk about yeah. that. We're okay. definitely going to talk about that. Um, I want to get also about the, the books themselves out first, and then we'll, yeah. Steve, what are you excited for? Hmm. Okay, um... I'm excited to read. Uh, continue reading A Force. I really like the first issue. Second comes out today. Hopefully, it continues to be awesome. All new, all different Avengers. I'm really excited for that Doctor Strange book. Mm-hmm. Really excited. Um, Jason Aaron and Chris Bocciolo, uh is the creative team. Yes, please. Captain Marvel, of course. Uh, I'm trying to go through some of the other ones. Uh, Mighty Thor. I'll continue to read because it's wonderful. Maybe some of the newer ones that I'm excited for. Let me see. Uh, very excited about the Scarlet Witch book. Mm. Very, very excited. If uh, that, I mean, art-wise and James Robinson writing, if it has any any kind of thing that uh, this, the She-Hulk run had, any kind of quality, it, it should be a really, really amazing book. I'm really excited about Kevin Wada because he did the covers for She-Hulk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I love the covers. I think he's a great artist. He's, it's not like Chris Anka, right? He, he, like, these people kind of do Perfect, like yes. these covers and these redesigns and, like, and never seem to have monthly stuff. Now both have monthly books coming out and I'm really excited to see that art style that he employed on the covers of She-Hulk be the art, interior art for yeah. this for this Scarlet Witch book. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the Illuminati, number one. It's Josh Williamson mm-hmm. writing for Marvel. I've really been enjoying a bunch of his stuff for Image, and I'm curious to find out what he's going to do for Marvel Comics, so definitely have my eye on that. Uh, Going through the list, sorry. (laughs) Um, I'm a little disappointed that Greg Land is going to be the artist. That's one of the things I was going to talk about. Um, Cullen Bunn writing sounds fantastic. And then I saw Greg Land, and I mean, the the artwork on Kenny X-Men for the last couple years has been so amazing. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't dislike everything he does. It just kind of let a little bit of the air out of my balloon. Yeah. You want to be super excited about it. I mean, the future imperfect stuff that the issue I just read, it looked good. So if it looks like that, I'll be able to read it, you know, but I just, and it's not like I look at and I go, Oh, I hate this. It's just, I don't engage with it very well. Generally. Cause it's so wooden to me sometimes mm-hmm. the future. Perfect thing was better. If he, if it's more like that, if he's kind of changed his style, then I'll read it. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it one issue because I love Colin Bunn and I love the idea of the team. I just, I, I, I'm worried that I'm going to just float away from it because it's just not going to be yeah. for me. Uh, so excited about all new Wolverine number mm-hmm. one with Tom Taylor and David Lopez. I love that oh, creative. Like, should have mentioned that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would have read it anyway because it's Tom Taylor, mm-hmm. but I really dig uh, David Lopez. I, I think his art style is great. The cover's funny and awesome, and I'm just really super stoked. Uh, really looking forward to continuing to read Nick Spencer's Ant-Man. I think it's one of the better series that's come out in the past couple months from Marvel. Super excited to see Miles Morales get the just Spider-Man mm-hmm. title. It's so well-deserved. Um, the art team, Sarah Pacelli, she did my, my favorite arc of the Miles Morales stuff with the Venom Wars I thought was was just amazing. Um, I am excited. I mean, I know we'll talk about the cover. I'm very excited about Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I love Frank Barbieri and him doing horror for Marvel. Sounds like a good time. Uh, Daredevil, of course. Spider-Woman. I mean, I'm excited for a lot of these, but I would say my number one book, much like Bob, is Ultimate's number one. That team is undeniable um, as far as characters mm-hmm. go. Al Ewing, great. Looking forward to that. 
I'm not sure that I'm familiar with Kenneth Rockefeller's art. He does He's the art for Titans. Teen Titans right now. That yeah. like that big that it's cover like cover that, yeah. that cover controversy that happened, you know, with uh, Wonder Girl. Oh yeah, he's the artist. He's not a bad artist. The right, cover well, is horrible. The he, he's done some good work before. I'm a little. His bit, cover doesn't look like that cover. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah, I'm a little bit more lenient um, when it comes to that stuff. But like, I this that was the first thing when I was scrolling through these announcements. Like, I stopped mm-hmm. at that and I looked at that team and I was like, no way. And mm-hmm. I saw Galactus in the background. I'll be I'll be reading that. I'll be reading that a lot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are the ones that I'm excited about. Um, yeah, I mean, I share a lot of them, obviously. Um. Extraordinary X-Men I'm very excited for. I I did not, when we were guessing all of these, where are people going to write and yeah. like that, never would have guessed Jeff Lemire. Um, no. they, they've kind of said that that's kind of the main, that's like the lead X-Men book, Extraordinary X-Men. So excited for that. I love that team. Humberto Ramos doing X-Men art again is awesome. Like uh, he's done Spider-Man for so long. That it's going to be really nice to see him doing other characters. And um, I think his art style will relieve some of the, the magic problems, you know? I mean, look, I appreciate a nice rack as much as the next person, <laughs> but I, it doesn't always need to be in my face when it's not, there isn't an equivalent with male No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I just think that, and I would be fine if the, the costume is redesigned. That doesn't even, that, that is fine with me. But his art, the way he draws is much less. Oh, sorry, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> you said the word rack. <laughs> It's not very offensive. Um, Old Man Logan, another Lemire book. I, 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 I thought it was going to be Bendis. I knew there'd be an ongoing. Uh, same artist as what's going on right now in Secret Wars, Andrea Sorrentino, who's a great artist. Really excited about that stuff. Um, I, I think the idea of New Avengers is, is very cool. I love Hulk, Hulkling and Wiccan so much that I'm so happy that they're front and center in a book. It's been since New Aven- uh, Young Avengers ended. Uh, yeah. Gill and Run ended that they they haven't really been a part of any book so super pumped for that um, that book looks like a lot of fun it, additionally um, all new X Men I love that they're all just like smiling on, on the cover and they're like they're on a road trip it looks like it's gonna be a fun book um, and, and uh, Hopeless has won my trust from the Spider Woman stuff in the last in the last few months I was always kind of iffy on him for a while but the last five months or so have really kind of engage me with his writing so i'm definitely gonna check that one out spider-man as well super excited for daredevil i i, I don't know what it's gonna be um it's, I, you know i hope that it's way different than the mark waits if i don't want him to try to go and, and copy that tone and that tenor it looks like it's gonna be different great artists like you said bob so that yeah. that's great for me um but it's just funny yeah uh, the ultimates is the one that like grabbed me right away that cover was amazing and the team looks yeah. amazing and overall i will say the thing that i like the most about the lineup of books is the difference in the teams Th- that it seems like um, they've just like rolled the dice and like you know there's all these different people who aren't usually the people who are kind of the star of these books and um, I-, I am excited about that because those different dynamics are what I always like and look I love the big characters the the the, the f- most famous characters but after a while you run out of things to do with them that you ha- haven't been done before yeah how many cap iron man thor stories have we already seen exactly and now i want to see them again yes but let's take a rest and move yeah somewhere different and i have a while. prediction about that for what's going to be announced at san diego uh, i have a prediction yes yeah well i'll talk we'll talk about it in a minute i'm just gonna go with the books that are actually coming out right now um yeah, I mean, I, over down here, Scarlet Witch. I think uh, I'm excited to see what that is. Vision. I'm excited to see what that is. Like, it just seems so weird that uh, I, I will. I'll have to to check it out. Um, yeah, I mean, the things for me that aren't really exciting to me are like the Carnage book, even though Jerry Conway is, is writing yeah. it. Like, Carnage is just not. A, it's a character I loved when I was like 12, and it just doesn't hold a lot of pull for me anymore. 
I will read an issue of Venom Space Knight because it just seems like such a bonkers <laughs> thing to have happen. And of course, the ones that have already been out, Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel, are books I'm, I'm going to buy and I'm going to read, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Tower of the Duck, uh, stuff like that, I'm definitely going to read. So, And I'll check out Guardians of the Galaxy because I, I, I'm actually surprised that he's still writing it. I, I, it seemed like a perfect time for him to kind of step away. Um, and start like a new project on some other big series, which obviously he's doing with Iron Man. But I figured there'd be something; it'd be all new stuff for him. Um, but do, do we really think that that Peter Quill won't be in it? I think he'll end up being in it, but he has his own book. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, I think he'll end up coming into it. Obviously, I don't think that the team that's on the cover is going to be the team we're going to see always. But I, I feel like. I feel like they'll probably commit to that team being the way it is. Maybe him guesting in and out here and there, but I feel like that'll be the main team for at least for a while. Um, Did you hear the title for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 yet? Yeah, Volume 2? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> I like it. It's so funny. People are like, we found out the title. I was like, I thought we already knew the title. I thought it was just Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I didn't yeah. think I was hunting for a title. I thought it was just called that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm generally excited for the books that they announced um, and what's to, what's to come. Uh what do we have any predictions about what's going to well because there's about 15 books they still haven't announced they said 60 there's 45 right now hmm. um do we have any ideas of what they, what they might announce bob i to me i think we're certainly going to tie in as so many of these did to what's happening in the other media hmm. so i think you'll definitely see an agent carter book with a third season of that being a second season of that hmm. being announced in some combination Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, mm. all together. You throw Misty Knight into the, this whole mix, mm-hmm. but certainly that sort of ground level thing. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be another Avengers book. Mm-hmm. I think there'll probably be another X Men book. Mm. I wouldn't doubt there'll be more Spider Man books. <laughs> mm. um, do we have, we have any humans in here somewhere? Yeah, okay, and humans. Okay, yes. Charles Soule. I think you'll see another one. Mm. I wouldn't be, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that like they've been building some of the characters in Inhuman for a while that they could definitely do some kind of a spin-off book mm-hmm. where they form their own team and go on a separate mission. Yeah, they're established enough at mm-hmm. this point. Um, there's no like high schooly kind of book like a, Super like, Spider Man, right? But like a, like an Avengers Academy kind of thing, or like what the Runaways number mm-hmm. one was. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we see one of those. You know, uh, I don't know, the X school mm-hmm. adventures kind of things. Those are always a nice break. Mm-hmm. I think you'll probably see Runaways announced. Yeah, I agree. As an ongoing afterwards, with Noel Stevenson as the writer. That's what I'm going to yeah. assume. What about a uh, Black Panther book? Yeah, I yeah. think you'll see a Black Panther book. I think, like Bob was saying, you'll see a Black Panther book. I think um, you're going to see a Punisher book. I, I, I don't think they're going to announce that character for another medium and then just take him away from the, the publishing side of things. You know, he's either going to be in some sort of team or it's going to be a solo Punisher book. And I assume it's going to be a solo book. What about uh, Black Widow? Yeah, Black Widow as well. I, 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 those are characters that are just too important for them, I think, mm-hmm. to, to just ignore. Uh, Silver, Silver Surfer. Surfer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, there you go, Carolyn. Read Stereo. My <laughs> can, I mean, can we hope it's Dan Slott and the Ulrich I again? think so. I, I think that's a very hearts and minds announcement for them. I think that's they're going to go to San Diego and they're going to make these big, like huge blockbuster announcements, and then they're going to have like those let's make the people who like really love us feel really good. Cause they always do stuff like that. And I think that that book will be reannounced as a number one and, and we'll keep going. Cause slot has never like, I feel like slot would have said it's over if it was over, yeah. you know, it didn't end in a way. Yeah. I, I don't think it's would done. Say it's over. over. Squirrel girl. Squirrel girl. Squirrel? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't uh, Marvel not going to be at SDCC? The movie side isn't going to be at SDCC. Okay. The, the comic side will be there. 
Okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot of movie studios that are they're just like, we're not going to San Diego. We'll just do it our own time. <laughs> um, what I think is going to happen, it kind of plays off your Avengers idea. I think there's going to be an Avengers book that's all like the the old the old timers. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Steve Rogers. It's going to be Thor, Odin's son. You know, it's going to it's going to be those characters. Um, it's sort of almost like the original like X Factor was. Yes. The the uh, the first class of, of X Men. It's going to be like that for Avengers. I don't know if it's going to be a big action book or it's going to be a more like subdued book. But I think that's going to come. I think there's going to be a book with all those characters in it. I don't know what they'll call it. Old Avengers. <laughs> Avengers <laughs> Forever. Yeah. Avengers Legacy. Yeah, yeah. That's I love Avengers one. in the time. White Man Avengers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. <laughs> and one lady. And one lady. Um, With no merch. <laughs> oh, is this true? Um, but yeah, and Bob, I know that you you don't believe this, but they're going to announce a Fantastic Four book. They're going to do it. <laughs> don't believe it. They're going to do it. Or okay, I'll take it back. Yeah. There might be an announcement, but it mm. is not going to be read. Sue, Ben, and Johnny in the way we've seen them before. I think you'll see different... They're all over the place yeah. elsewhere. But Reed and Sue aren't. They're nowhere right. now right now. So I think Reed and Sue will definitely be part of it. It might be, it could be Reed and Sue, Franklin and, Franklin and Valeria. Yeah. You know, that could be the four of them um, for a little while until all this stuff kind of, you know, reforms itself and all of a sudden they, they had like the, the return of the Fantastic Four oh. or like, you know, stuff. But those four could be <laughs> the four for the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think there'll be an announcement for that. I think that that's one of the 15 books we don't know about yet. But the thing smashing stuff in space seems like a good idea. Yeah, I think that'll be He's fun. A pilot, after all. <laughs> yeah, he is. They need a pilot, right? Um, I think that'll be fun, and I think that I think that will definitely happen. Um, but you're right. All the all the, all the characters that are going to be big in other media, I, I don't think you're going to see. What Marvel has been pretty good about lately is they'll always put out a book that's like. This this you, this character will be a name of the character that you'll see in the movies, but they're usually not like the they're not like beholden yes. to those universes. I mean, the closest thing they did, I think with Black Widow, they definitely brought her more in line with kind of the you know uh, the movie version of her in a lot of ways. But other than that, which I think was a good thing, I think they added some layers to that character that had been missing for a while in in the comics at least. But other thing else, I think it's just going to be kind of they're going to stick to the regular stuff and they're just going to use the names to kind of promote this. Oh, I just well, I was just thinking of the Black Widow solo title. What about Elektra? I don't think it's no. Think done. That book did yeah, I horribly. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. going to happen again. Yeah. I, I think it she'll just show. It looked so pretty. It did. Oh, it was Mike amazing. It was, I mean, it was a great run, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think she'll show up places, you know, um, maybe in Daredevil, but that doesn't really happen very much anymore. So I don't I don't know. Maybe now that Wade is done and they're going, I think they're going to go probably a little bit more serious, a little bit, a little bit darker again. I, I mm-hmm. think you might see her again there. I mean, uh, we've only seen one issue of it, but I would kind of hope that Weird World would continue. I don't know about that. Mm. I don't. I don't. Know, like I said, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, but it, that's it, Jason it, Aaron, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. And Mike Del Mundo. Yeah, that book is so gorgeous. Um, I think Doctor Strange and Thor is going to kind of fill a slate with the uh, with the uh, like you know independent stuff that he's doing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm honestly surprised. Like, I'm excited that Charles Soule is doing um, Daredevil, and maybe maybe finally with this relaunch they're going to really push the Inhumans the way they've kind of been saying they're going to push them for a long time. But I thought Charles Soule would be writing something higher profile th- than what he's writing. I thought he's going to be on an X-Men book. He's going to be yeah. on an Avengers book. That's what I thought. When you signed an exclusive deal, I figured like that's what was going to happen. And then it didn't. But I mean, that doesn't mean like, obviously he can't do amazing things with the stuff he has. And he's kind of building that Inhumans universe. So, Mm-hmm. Or something's coming. Or something's coming. Yeah, yeah we, we don't know. Um, maybe he's the Fantastic Four. Right? Maybe, maybe, absolutely. That would be great. Yeah. Um, 
I really thought that I'm of two minds about the Amazing Spider-Man stuff. I think the idea sounds cool, but I'm kind of not that I dislike anything Dan Slott's done with Spider-Man, but he's done it for so long at this point. I kind of was looking forward to him going off and doing something different. And then someone else coming in and writing Peter. Um, just to freshen up both of their kind of repertoires and stuff like that. Seeing what he does with Silver Surfer, like I want to see him doing more stuff that he obviously has a lot of fresh ideas about. And this Spider-Man stuff seems different, right? It seems like he's going a different way with it, so maybe that will energize him the way that Superior energized him. Because now looking back, that's like probably the best stuff he's done is is, is that run on Superior. I mean, he got so much flack for it when he, when he was doing it. <laughs> so I hope that there's something there. Uh, yeah, I was just reading, um, you know how Axel Alonso does that interview thing yeah, on yeah. CBR? Axel in Charge. Axel in Charge, mm-hmm. yeah, right. So they were asking him about Miles Morales, and he was saying something about how, you know, Miles is basically beloved now. Mm. But when they first launched it, there was a lot of, I don't remember quite how he put it, but, mm. you you know, judging by the internet, when we started it, you would think people really hated it. Yeah, but yeah. once they read the actual stories, then people came on board. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously... I think the idea that Marvel, on the publishing side, is pushing the X-Men out is now proven wrong. Yeah. <laughs> There's five X-Men-based books. But still weird with that, was it a, was it a t-shirt that had no X-Men on it? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was that, that big promo image that they always well, put they, out. Yeah, yeah, the and they yeah. literally erased yeah. them from the image. Yeah. We, that's just odd. Yeah. And, and FF2, right? Yes. Weren't they not on it? Yeah, yeah, well, the Secret Wars original covers, yeah, they're gone. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I feel like... That kind of advertising merch stuff, I feel like they don't have as much control over. The publishing side probably has less control over. That's probably much more of a higher level decision. And I feel like they, but they're like, you can do that, but you're not taking away. Look for this. What's that guy's name? The guy, the CEO, uh, Ike Perlmutter. Ike Perlmutter seems like a crazy person. <laughs> seems like a sexist crazy person. <laughs> I'm mad they're making a movie. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Seems like way business should be done. <laughs> yeah, I'll cancel books that sell forty thousand copies. I feel like I feel like, I mean, I guess they print. Don't, we they, don't know about digital. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I guess they probably, I guess like the the uppers at Disney don't really care. They're like this little like indie arm that we have with us yeah. that makes a little like couple million dollars a month. Like how cute we make that <laughs> on concessions. <laughs> well, and I have. think Disney's interest is in characters, yes. not yeah. books. Yeah, absolutely. Right, but I think that's why like. They can, can get away with doing that stuff with the comics because, like, they just don't care. You know, they don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them. Because right. I, I feel like if I feel like it goes under their radar, because I feel like if they really paid attention, like, you can't do this. Like, that's not what. <laughs> but Those... they don't have to because it, I mean, if you think of it like a wheel and the character is in the mm-hmm. middle of the of the wheel, yeah. and there are spokes coming out, mm-hmm. and it's like t-shirts, video games, mm. TV shows, movies. Mm. You know, comics are probably the least profitable oh, yeah. of all those. Absolutely, absolutely, they are. Um, so, I mean, what do we think about the idea of Silk possibly being a villain? A little early for her to turn, mm-hmm. I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, need a little more, what was she, five issues? Six issues in? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be as resonant as it would be. Mm-hmm. We also don't know for sure that's what they're doing. That's right. what they're hinting at. But Maybe she's just undercover. This is how mm-hmm. she finds her family. Yeah. She has to make those connections. And mm-hmm. so it's just a, it's a ploy. Possibly, yeah. I love that book. It's yeah, so I book. trust the team. So I'm, mm. I'm, I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. Pregnant Spider Woman, as <laughs> Carolyn says, you know, parents 24 hours a day. <laughs> the cover image is charming. Mm. It's really sort of bizarre and different. Mm. It's okay. This is not the Spider Woman from that uh, Menara cover. Obviously, <laughs> no. that's not going to happen. So again, I'm. 
in this day and age, you, you have to follow and trust creators. And mm. if they did good work before, tell me the story, and then I'll judge it mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. That said, I'll still rant about other things I haven't seen yet because, well, I'm just I'm that guy that says get off your lawn. Maybe <laughs> Squirrel Girl. Sorry. Maybe Squirrel Girl could babysit at night. Yeah. Yeah, she, she could. Absolutely. She did such a great job for you know Luke and Jessica. You got to put you got to put Ben to work. He's got to do something when he's he, he, yeah. he basically just sends her out an assignment, then stays in the 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 office or whatever. So. I think it'll be entertaining. I, Spider Woman's been meeting a lot of colorful characters just in the few short yeah. issues that she's had. And, you know, any one of them, I'm sure, could fill in as, as nanny. And the situations that that could, uh, could result in, I yeah. think, would be worth reading. I want to see that porcupine guy do it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 <laughs> With, like, a little apron on. Yeah, yeah. And, like, just, like, she comes home and he's just covered in, like, spit up. Yeah. And he's, you know, boiling uh, milk on the stove. <laughs> and he's all tired. And, yeah. like, some of his quills are bent and broken. Mm -hmm. Like, like yeah. got balloons stuck to him. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just... There's a lot of room for comedy in mm. that. Or there's, um, they they make a babysitting co-op, the, the the Jessica and Jessica babysitting <laughs> co-op, right? Yes. And then Jessica Jones uh, can go out at night and, mm -hmm. and do the things she needs to do on Jessica Drew's mm. babysitting yeah. nights. I'm liking that. I like it. I like it. All right. So we talked about the books. Let's talk about the other stuff. <laughs> um, Caroline, why don't you, why don't you uh, take the lead? Okay. So well, do you want to so talk I talk about the cover first. Sure. I okay. mean, I so I I saw the same link mm -hmm. that others saw, and so I'm sort of paging through mm -hmm. these 45 covers, and I'm like, cool, cool. This isn't something I would read. Still cool, cool. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, that this is a great. Like you were saying, yeah. it's like a great variety across mm -hmm. the Marvel spectrum. Um, you know, some something for everybody. The world outside your window. Whatever yeah. tags they want to yeah. use for yeah. themselves, and then. I get to a couple where it's just sort of this very old school, there are six dudes on the cover and there's one woman and she's sort of ass first. And, and, I, and there's no reason really for me to think that we're sort of past that um, because there have been, there's been so much talk about it and whatever, but there's been pushback as well. Um, but I guess... I, I feel much more conditioned to, to see it mm. now, and I think other people are as well. So on um, Howling Commandos and on Squadron Supreme, you have kind of that same thing. On Squadron Supreme, it's sort of like the camera is sort of positioned down low and you're sort of looking up. Um, Howling Commandos, it's more straight on, but it's still basically the same. So it just, we're, we're, we've now had, you know, like literally 20 years of... Men facing front, looking strong, looking athletic, looking muscular. Women to the side or, you know, they're back to the front um, <laughs> looking over the shoulder, shoulder where the accent is on TNA. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean the, the rest of the body isn't strong, but your eye is being drawn in a, in a particular way. And, and I know many people out there are not really quite seeing that, but... Try to think of the, what the male equivalent would be. Mm -hmm. and, and the male equivalent of, like, your eye being drawn to, you know, organs that we perceive as being sex organs, mm -hmm. the, the equivalent would be try to picture, <laughs> you know, men often being drawn from the side with, like, a huge erection. And you will never see that. You have never seen it. You will never see it. Right. But that is the equivalent. When you see these male idealized bodies... I'm not saying they're achievable, but like dudes can lift weights, mm -hmm. right? You you can become more muscular 
you 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 can't get breasts of a certain size and a certain shape through mm-hmm. exercise. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get a waist size that's smaller than your head mm-hmm. um, through that as well, and you can't get a particularly sculpted butt, which mm-hmm. is the first thing that you're presenting to someone else because you're facing your ass yeah. to them and looking over your shoulder because that's the way you talk to people. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> um, I I just feel like it's uneven. It's mm-hmm. been uneven for a lot of years, and. It's not like I would see those characters as any less interesting mm. if they were facing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, especially uh, those two stand out because a lot of the others doing exactly what you're saying. There are a lot of standing forward, you know, in, in more strength positions. And the fact that there's still a couple that I, I don't know how it goes through, like the process or they look at it and they go, OK, yeah, this is fine. And they just kind of go. It, it is. I, I really think it's important to point out that that's two books out of 45. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you think about where this industry was two years ago, five Mm -hmm. years ago, 10 years ago, 15 and 20, it's a huge difference. Yeah. Um, And I, and I think people are be to be commended for that. Again, I have no problem with sexy images. It's just that sexualized images don't occur in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. They occur in a world where women have been discriminated against and sexualized and, thought of as unfortunately objects mm-hmm. for a very long time. Yeah. And so we, I think we should be pushing against that. Mm-hmm. Now, I know your studies have shown that it's on team books more that, than that on team, female solo books mm-hmm. where the, those images occur. Right. I know. I think you mentioned last week something about the, the counting up of, of panels. And <laughs> that is, the official. The that official, is something Mr. that. Mr. Chena Command. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, that is something that, that I have done, and it starts out fun, and it gets so tedious, I would not recommend it. Um, but yes, I, I did find in a study that in, if you're comparing female-headed titles, like a title just called Wonder Woman or mm. Spider Woman or, oh, they all have woman in the name. All right, anyway, if you're comparing a title like that to a team book like Justice League or Avengers or mm. X-Men or whatever that the women are much more likely to be drawn in that sort of objectified, sexualized way in the team books, you know, far more likely than they are in the female-headed mm-hmm. title books. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so uh, the other, and I, I mean, I noticed this as well when I was looking through the, the creators, and I talked about this on Twitter a little bit. The, the, the characters that are being portrayed are getting more diverse, and that's fantastic. I mean, they, they, like you said, that's a very big pro for this, right? It's You look at the teams now, and there's different gender and color, more than there's been, I, I think, ever when I've, I've looked at a, a, like an announcement for a, a line of books. Um, that is not represented in the creators that are creating the books. Um, uh, there are four titles, I believe, on this list written by a, a woman. Two of them are written by G. Will Wilson, um and uh and for 45 books or whatever that we're talking about that's a really low number i think there's a total of 11 there's seven female creators oh no i'm sorry i was going to say that there are seven books out of the 45 that have any uh, either a female writer or artist gotcha okay yeah and i think there's a total of i I think 10 because there's a couple um especially like um Angela has three uh, on on the one book. Um, ten out of what a possible probably is what around ninety spots possible for for uh, for a writer artist. Yeah. Um, that that's a very low number, you know. And I think that uh, it speaks to an issue, obviously, with hiring practices completely. I mean, I think that, and I had discussions with some some very nice, very well-meaning people on Twitter today. Um, uh, 
about this. And this this idea comes up a lot, right? Where people say like, well, I don't want it to be about like hiring a woman or hiring someone of color. I just want the, the best person to, to write the book. And that's what I think it should be. I think that should that's my idea of equality. And I said, but you're 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 going from a fallacy that there isn't an, an equal hiring practice. You know, you can't have a, a system that is entrenched with one group of people and expect it just to change because it's self it self motivates itself. You know, it's it's like a wheel that people will hire people that are successful they think are successful. And if the only people getting hired are white males, the only people that are going to be successful are white males. That's how it works. It just it, and you need there needs to be someone who comes in. And changes it, you know, and this idea that there was no women out there to hire, which some people seem to create this myth that, that, that they decide like, you know, the, oh, they must have gone out to people. There wasn't, they couldn't find the people to do it. It's a ridiculous assertion, you know, you're, you're looking at, we just met it for, I was like, you know, the, the pool is very one-sided and someone said, well, well, if the pool's one-sided, how do you change that? I go, well, you look at a pool that's not somewhere else in the white men's club. You look at somewhere else, right. you, the you know. The boys network can't always <laughs> rule. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of other pools to look in, you know, and. I think that, I think that it's it's a problem, and, and I think that that's not a, like we just spent an hour talking about how much we were how much we liked a lot of this stuff. Criticizing them for doing something doesn't mean we think Marvel should go out of business. We hate all the people who work there. We think that all these books are going to suck. It means that that there there are still things that aren't good enough, and you can't. I said this too on Twitter. You can't fall people who want progress. You can't fall into this. Well, they did something, so it's good enough. You can't fall into that trap. Because that's a trap that people who aren't the ones being persecuted fall into, right? They see like, oh, they did something, so that, that that's good enough, right? We, we're we're getting somewhere, but it's not good enough. Like you, you as that person who might have a little bit of power has to push because because unfortunately your voice might mean more, and hopefully you can one day balance those scales so that you, you know, that doesn't matter anymore. But right now it matters, and you have to push this stuff. Well, and I think we've heard. We've either people that you you all have mm-hmm. talked to, or that I've talked to, or that we've read about, often talk about how they got into the comics business. Mm-hmm. And very often, it's I knew this person who knew this person, mm-hmm. or I met this person at a social gathering, and I went and I talked to them. And that's what where the idea of an old boys network comes from. It doesn't mean that there's a, a cabal of cigar chomping <laughs> fat old white dudes who yeah. are like, how can yeah. we oppress people not like us today? Mm-hmm. Right. No, no one is saying that this is meant. Mm-hmm. Some people might do it on purpose, yeah. granted. But it doesn't mean that everyone is malicious in intent. It just means that, I mean, think if you just kind of think about yourself, you might be, you might be, I'm not saying you are, but you might be more prone to... Um, Look at someone who kind of has the same demographic characteristics as you and and maybe see yourself a little bit in that person. And you Mm -hmm. might be a little bit more prone to mentor that person than someone Mm -hmm. else um, because you see something of yourself there. And part of that something of yourself is the demographic part, the racial and and gender and ethnic and religious Mm -hmm. and sexuality part of it. And so I think that can happen in comics just like everywhere else. So the real pool of comics creators is quite large. Mm-hmm. But if you're Marvel in DC and you don't accept people just sending their stuff into mm-hmm. you, then what kind of pool do you expect to see? Um, and it, it, you're not, you're not mm-hmm. allowing the pool to be widened. I understand you're going to get flooded with stuff, but you mm-hmm. know what? You got enough money mm-hmm. <laughs> from your parent companies, yeah. hire people to look through that stuff mm-hmm. and see if it's any good. Is it true that you won't necessarily know if that person can produce every month? Yeah. But I can name a bunch of comics creators who are high profile who don't produce every month the way they're right. supposed to. Yeah. And they're white dudes and they keep working. Mm-hmm. David Finch and John Cassidy. <laughs> 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 so, you know, um, 
there are ways to to widen the pool. And do we women are fifty percent of the population? Mm-hmm. Does that mean they're fifty percent of comics of of perfect comics creators? No. It could be 20%, but you know what? It could be 85. Mm-hmm. It could be that true comic talent is majority people who aren't getting hired. Mm-hmm. So they can they should accept, you know, sort of cold pitches from people. They can look at who's creating web comics. Um, I mean, I, I think that's a pretty yeah, easy yes. way to deal with it right there. They can stop hiring people that they're talking to in a bar at Comic-Con mm-hmm. who just had the balls to come up and, <laughs> and talk to them. <laughs> Um, and, and don't feel intimidated by that or aren't worried about being sexually harassed if mm-hmm. they do that, you know? So you can widen the pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. They thought enough outside the box to hire showrunners from Agent Carter, mm-hmm. to hire a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. What would be mm-hmm. wrong with going to a Kate Beaton, mm-hmm. who has a webcomic, who might be able to do something charming that we hadn't even thought of before with one of these characters? Could you? Could she do a man thing comic that mm. would be a funny sort of goofy thing every month there would be something different to do in here right when reading i i do read twitter <laughs> don't tell anybody uh someone asked gail simone about captain marvel and she didn't they didn't ask me mm. no they asked her to do she hulk two years ago mm. and she just did too many other things the preeminent female writer over the last 20 some odd years of comics and you have all these things and don't ask her don't ask Jen Van Meter mm. uh, we have Annie Wu doing Black Canary I don't think she's exclusive mm-hmm. I don't Wu? think so. I don't know I think so no, yeah. no so, but some... even um, I mean what what I learned from listening to the the interview of, of Tara Butters and Michelle Fizekas is that Tara Butters is married to Mark Guggenheim who's writing the Shield book mm-hmm. who's the showrunner on Arrow mm-hmm. uh so okay. that those things can, that's a that's a that's kind of an old boys network as well. Mm-hmm. Well, we should trust this person who's married to this person who's writing this book who's doing this show, you know. And so you you go and we we all have this tendency, you know. You're more prone to trust a person that knows someone that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is money at stake here, certainly, but there are ways to get different voices. Yeah, I mean, and there uh, are, there are creators who create consistently at other companies. Who they can obviously take a look at, and and it you know we're we're, we're focusing on women here, but there you know there's obviously other the the, the minority representation is even worse than yes. the, the female representation that's going on here, you know, and you know, look, I, and I said this on Twitter to friends too, like I'm not belittling the artist's contribution to a big two book, but the writers drive the big two books. They're writing scripts months and months in advance. They don't even know who's going to draw them sometimes when, when, when they're writing them. We talked to John the Hickman about Avengers a couple of years ago. He was like, I don't know, I'm on script like 13 and like, like script and then book three was out, you know, at that point or whatever. So there's a big disparity there. Like the writer's driving that book. And I, of course I want to see female artists. I want to see artists of color, but the, the writers on the big two side are really driving that stuff and they're the people we need to see those positions filled and it's just it's just a shame that there, there's not more you know going on and, and it it makes me upset because I think about for me it's an empathetic thing right I think about my, my, my wife or my sister you know or someone trying to do this kind of stuff and not having the opportunity to do it and that makes me angry you know and and for me that's why I get so angry about it because I I think about the people that I love that might be in that situation and it really bothers me. And that's what I try to tell people to think about when they can't connect with it on a personal level. You know, you have to be able to try to connect with it some way. And also, if you listen, if you don't care, 
that's fine. Like if you like just if you just want to read the books and go home, that's totally cool. Don't pretend there's not a problem because you don't want to feel bad because there's a problem. You know that that's the part that that gets under my skin a lot about yeah. that kind of stuff so i mean we do seem to be making lots of progress in a lot oh, of ways. yes Fan- fandom is changing from it's when we started over- three and a half years ago right. it's totally it's totally different. turning over as yeah. we watch yeah the, the attendance at, at mm. conventions the mm-hmm. readership and everything yes. else and it, it's almost as if this seems like a step backwards to before that three years ago mm-hmm. it, it is not back into the stone ages mm-hmm. it's not back to the 60s where mm-hmm. it was ramona Fraden and marie severin period <laughs> for 15 years were the only female mm-hmm. creators in, in comics and we are making strides. It's why we need to keep making strides yes. and keep making noise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when something doesn't seems a little off, we'll call them on. Now, the next 15 books mm-hmm. could have 45 <laughs> minority and female mm-hmm. creators. Doubtful. Yeah. <laughs> but we will have to say it's out there. You know, yeah. will, will there be David Walker, who wrote Chef, mm-hmm. now writing... He's writing Cyborg now for DC. Right. Yeah. Will he come over and do something mm-hmm. for Marvel? Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Will, will we see some of these writers back who we haven't seen in a long time yeah let's hope let's yeah. just hope that the next round mm-hmm. starts to even the playing field a little yeah just a little see do you have any thoughts on this <laughs> i do okay um in regard to i mean you guys have all said so mm-hmm. many so many things that i agree with and, and amazing viewpoints i don't know how much i could add to some of that stuff but in the idea of hope, uh, I mentioned this on the Talking Games podcast, is that this past E3, the vast majority of stuff that was promoted from all companies at, at that show, there were so many female-led games, characters, representatives of the industry. The very first person to come onto the Microsoft stage, the very first event of that whole three days or whatever it is, was a, was a female in charge of X. Um I think that what's happening now and the push that's happening now and the the voices like, you know, the vocal minority and how everybody's coming up and all the all the Twitter stuff and all the social media and the, the new writers coming in, Noelle Stevenson moving on to bigger things. I think that within I know it sucks to not have it now, but I think that within like a year or two time, you will see the the seeds of what's going on and the insistence of making a change, I think we it's gradual and that you'll see it within a few years' time. Again, it sucks that we have to wait for it. It sucks even worse for people that aren't me because they cater towards me. And I get to, you know, sit on my pile of comics. <laughs> you know, Scrooge's money bin of yeah. <laughs> And, you know, friends and, and loved ones and stuff like that. Like, I love seeing, I love hearing about Stephanie's stuff. Her Kickstarter uh, blew way past its goal mm. uh, that she's involved in with uh, with a couple of really amazing people. And, you know, it's happening, but it's happening in dribs and drabs, and it's happening slowly, but it is happening. And there are people that are in positions of power that are starting to kind of stir the pot and mix things up. And, like, it sucks that we have to wait for it, but... Anything that's really, honestly, truly good is something that's earned, and we should have. We sh- it should have continued and been earned a long time ago. It sucks that it went away, but I think it's coming back, and I, th- I think it, that within within a little while we're going to see more of it, and it's going to be awesome. Well, c- can I ask a question mm-hmm. about where we think change is coming from? Um, 
because I kind of talk about this in my work and I have some ideas, but I'd like to know what you think or if listeners want mm. to write in what, what they think. Um, is it because uh, the availability of digital downloading is easier? Does that diversify the comics audience? Is it that the comics audience was always diverse, but now because of movies, they, you know, maybe they were deterred from going into local comic shops. It was inconvenient. It was unwelcoming. Uh, there was no one near them. But through movies, they kind of got more interested in comics. Is it just because civil rights movements in our country have gotten to a certain point so that even though we still have unequal pay by gender and by race and by ethnicity, that the bottom has still pulled up a certain amount so people can afford literally to buy comics and go to the movies. I mean, what, why do you think, why, why the change of the past few years? I, I mean, I think that the, definitely the exposure in a medium like the films, I, I think it definitely, puts it on more people's radar immediately right you see those logos before everything um that and television at this point now too i think people are going okay this comics are more in their brain right and then but i think that and the advent of digital distribution being so much more pervasive i think it was kind of a perfect storm because i think without that second thing it would have been just movies and and that's it because you saw it took a long time for things to kind of start to the movies to start to really have any effect at all, I think on the comic industry growing. And I think that now it's gotten to the point where it started that. And now I think it's self propagating, right? Because people who didn't read comics start reading comics and then they tell their friends who didn't read comics that they should read this comic. And whether it's a superhero thing or it's sex criminals or it's saga or it's lumberjanes or it's one of the other, one of the 1000 sci-fi or horror books that image puts out every week. Um, I think that, it, it it's starting to open up what a comic book means to more people, you know, but I don't think that would have happened without the combo of distribution and the movies pushing them. And trade paperbacks too. Like yeah. what you just mentioned, if you look at Saga trade paperback mm. sales or Walking Dead yeah. trade paperback sales, yeah. I mean, they're they're crazy. So so that distribution method might be part of it too. Uh, absolutely. And I think The Walking Dead is, is honestly like a big part of it too because I think people go, okay, this is a comic book thing, but it's not from... Marvel or, or DC, what is this image thing? You know, that because they, they buy 20 trades and all of them have image in them and maybe they have a page in the back that's like, these are the other things that are out, you know, from image. And they start to realize there's other things than just the big superhero stuff. So that, that's what I think. I mean, I don't know though. It, it, it seems like, I think Yael Simone said it on Twitter today. She goes, every other industry, entertainment industry would love to be going through the growth period right now that comics are going through because everything else is shrinking and comics are growing. So I think it's it's a pretty great time. Mm -hmm. You mean comic sales or popularity of comics characters? I think sales. Sales are way up for the, the last couple of months, especially. Yeah, I it, is that all coming from the top, though? Like Star Wars and... Star Wars is obviously helping it, but there you, you see more and more... Um, I mean, they're not selling huge numbers, but you see more and more indie titles, 30,000, 40,000 copies, which they wouldn't have been there a, a couple of years ago. And we're also not taking into account the fact that the digital sales, we have no clue what what those numbers are and i think that's really it, it's really rising a, a lot of books that maybe aren't there i mean we know right the one thing we know is that ms marvel sells a ton digitally we don't know what that number is there's rumors that it sells as much if not more than it sells physically digitally and there's one rumor that it's twice as much digitally yeah so i think that those aspects i think are just growing and i think that it's why you don't i remember i'll make it a tv analogy i remember when i was in grad school um 
Gossip Girl was on the CW. And it got, like, no ratings, right? Like, one million people watched it a week, but it was everywhere. And it was very, very popular. And it was right before they started really taking into account the fact that Hulu and On Demand and, and DVR was something that was really important. And I feel like stuff like Lumberjanes and Ms. Marvel and stuff like that are books that people don't realize how popular they are because those numbers of how much they actually get read are not available. You know, they're just, they're hidden behind all this obfuscation of, of this digital marketplace that they don't, they don't have to share it with you. So they're not going to share it with you, but it's hidden back there. And I think that they're so much more popular than we can even imagine. And I feel like it reminds me a lot of that time with TV when TV was so guarded about what it meant to be popular. And I think that we're still in that, we're still in that period, but in the period where it's changing with, with comic books. I think there's one other thing. I agree with everything that's been said mm-hmm. here. There are a lot of factors. One that we haven't talked about, we're a generation or so removed from things like the X-Men cartoons, mm-hmm. the Batman animated series, and those books like Claremont and Burns' X-Men mm-hmm. having so many female readers in, yeah. in an era when those books sold a half a million copies a month. Mm-hmm. The young girls who were reading those books then are now the moms of 10 and 12-year-old little girls. Mm-hmm who can then reach back to say, I read this book, and you, you see these X-Men movies, or you see these Avengers movies, you should read what the books are like. Mm-hmm. And those parents who want to share reading with their kids, that turns into something else. You create a lifelong fan, and those people will start to, from the mom side and then the daughter side, start to change what the book should look like, sound like, be like, mm-hmm. as they want something more representative of their own experience. Yeah. I guess I have one more question. What role do you think social media plays, either in peers telling each other about new comics or people who are communicating directly with creators? Do you think that makes them more loyal to a particular book and drives sales? I think it does. I think that social media makes a huge difference because I, th- I think most of all, companies and people can't ignore anymore when people are upset about something, right? It's not a letter mm-hmm. being sent in that nobody can see. It's it's in their face. It's in everybody's face constantly. And I think sometimes that can be a bad thing, you know. But I think that overall, it's a it's a it's a push for change that I think can't be ignored by people. Um, I also think it does. I think that as far as like and the positive side, absolutely. I think that these you see like the creators are really good at it. They know how to use the, the medium, and they engender a ridiculously loyal fan base because. You don't feel like you're just buying a book from somebody. You're buying a book from your your friend, your friend, somebody you know, and that you can't not write on, on that sort of interaction. And it does when you go to conventions and you see the lines, and yeah. you're like, why does this person have such a big line? And this like other person like whose book sells maybe eight times as many copies has like three people saying in front of them. It's because of yeah. that. It's because the the story of the modern era is being able to find an audience and cultivate it, and it doesn't have to be ten million people. It can be. 10,000 people, but, right if it, 10, but if it's 000. the right 10,000 people, yeah. you can you can be, you can make your living forever, you know? Mm-hmm. If you're really famous to those 10,000 people, you're set. And that's kind of the story of the way the world is now, as far as that stuff goes. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, people get to feel like they're a part of a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. when it comes to certain books. Mm-hmm. I mean, Saga, certainly. I mean, I don't see as much about it now because we're, like, kind of in the middle of this giant thing at this point, but at the beginning... Every every time Saga came out, or Sex Criminals for yeah. that matter, mm-hmm. just you know, or Spider Gwen, mm-hmm. the lines for Spider Gwen at Special Edition were ridiculous, you know, or or like what happens, like who read Batman, who got their copy early, who got it so mm-hmm. early in the day, and people were already chatting about it, mm-hmm. and you go 
And, you know, of this, I mean, different countries have their different Twitters and stuff like that. But, you know, Batman or comic stuff, comic stuff, in my opinion, unless it's major news, comic stuff dominates like the the top hashtags of Twitter. Like when the Marvel stuff got leaked, like at least seven of the 10 things at one point were comic related. That's huge. That's a really, really big deal, you know? And I mean, we were talking before about like what you know, like what broke it or something. I think a lot of it had to do with Avengers. Like the the success of Avengers kind of woke everybody up. I mean, the other mo- movies did well, but when Avengers came out and it, it made some of the most money of all time, it really got people, especially studios, start gobbling up and looking in the corners like, okay, well, we know they're going to grab this, this, and this, and this, but, you know, you guys are into this stuff. What have you been reading that could possibly, letter 44? Yeah, let's talk to, mm-hmm. you know, let's talk to them about that. Let's, you know, go over here and do this and do and all these things. And it's like you can't go a week without having something get gobbled up. Um, Imagine Agents mm-hmm. is now going to yeah. be Michael Keaton is starring and, and producing. <laughs> and, really? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah. You know, like he's just like he somebody gave it to him, he read it, he loved it, and he he seeked it out and hunted it down mm-hmm. and now it's happening. Yeah. You know, like that's that's the kind of power that comics have now. Yeah. Um I mean you look at uh diffraction right um uh, yeah. uh they have their own production company now that's that they have a deal to make comics in into movies and it's not just their comics they they pick comics to make into movies or tv shows and that's mm-hmm. that's an amazing thing mad fraction was on late night with seth myers you know that that's crazy and bendis yeah. was on he was on one of them was he on i want to say fallon kimmel? but it might have been it? i don't remember sorry Brian it's probably bendis. kimmel because that's abc it's like in the in the family oh, the marvel maybe. family um, I don't remember, but yeah, he yeah. was on one of them as well. And, and, and that's crazy. That's crazy that, that they're on national television, you know, um, it's, it, things have very much changed in, in that way. And I think that, I, I, I think that it's, I, I know more people now than I ever have who read comics, you know, and it seems like more people, I listen to a lot of podcasts for a lot of years. And then suddenly a lot of people are suddenly talking about comic books in, in more, in more depth that, than I've ever heard before. You know, they know more stuff about them. And I see that starting to unfurl in ways that it's all anecdotal, right? But it feels like that anecdotal means something. You know, it means it feels like it's it, it means something bigger. Um, There's a good parallel to what happened in the '60s with Stanley. The before that, if DC's letter pages, dear editor, mm-hmm. in issue so and so, Supergirl flew near a red sun and she should have lost her powers. And how do you explain that? And well. Well, you just didn't read the panel, right? They just give some crappy answer or nothing. Mm-hmm. Stan, first of all, he put credits in the books. You knew who wrote, drew them, lettered them. Mm-hmm. The letterer got a credit <laughs> in 1962. His letter pages were, Dear Stan and Jack, or Dear Stan and Steve. And he answered in a light, fun tone that made you feel part of this growing thing. They had the Merry Marvel Marching Society. Mm-hmm. And he went to college campuses as the books found a new audience and all of a sudden, pop art had Marvel art in them. TV shows talked mm-hmm. about newspapers and Time Magazine and the New York Times were interviewing Stan and Jack Kirby out of nowhere. And that's when books were selling a lot more. And even mm-hmm. the lesser books were selling three, 400,000 copies. But I think we're looking at something similar now with the explosion of social media. It's now worldwide instantly. Mm-hmm. If someone's got an opinion, it doesn't take three months for it to filter through the mm-hmm. letter pages. You know, Amazing Fantasy 15 came out. And then they had nothing to follow it up with because they had to wait to see the sales figures. Mm-hmm. Well, they know 
they know yesterday <laughs> yeah. what's already happening by the pre-release tweets what came in yeah. previews they know what's moving next what's already trying spider gwen mm-hmm. blew up and it hadn't even come out yet and people mm. were cosplaying spider gwen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh you just reminded me that was another thing i was gonna say um and definitely in terms of the female audience like the cosplay society and stuff like that has there have been more and more females doing cosplay at the bigger shows than there's ever been in recent years. And that is a huge community. Um, the manga community is also really big, I think even bigger for female audiences than male. Yeah, that's a good point too. And and the the um, the way in which uh, bookstores were willing to have mm-hmm. manga, you know, in, in trade paperback form too, mm-hmm. I think probably made a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you this. I, um, I went into chapters, uh, Canadian, it's their Barnes and Noble, um, the way that the shelving is designed and like, especially in like the teen or fantasy sections and stuff like that. I mean, it is dominated by, by female centric, uh, books, both authors and, um, characters and content and stuff like that. Um, there are like now major outlets that are rearranging their displays to promote that stuff more and more like somebody somewhere got it and sent out like the right memo to be like, you guys have got to get on this because, you know, they, of course they want to make money, but by paying attention to the trends and, and the demands of that part of their audience, they're now, they're now creating like a more comfortable space within their giant conglomerate mm. book company thing. Yeah. So, but that's good, mm-hmm. you know, for as much as big business can sometimes be scary, that's a step in a, a positive direction. Well, and certainly Marvel and DC are not small businesses no. either <laughs> no, no, no no absolutely not um and like, people always say like marvel and dc are they're you know they're cruise ships like they when they say they take them a long time to turn completely around um and it, you know you it, smaller companies are like speedboats they can just like if they decide they see, if they see a trend they they, they change yeah. they, they go like that bigger companies take a longer time and it, it's unfortunate but it's 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 the way it goes and hopefully keep having the discussions, keep pushing and things will change. Cause that's all, it's all you can do. You have to keep pushing. So you stop pushing and then, and it's one of the things too. It's like, I, I feel sometimes too, like when something will happen and people will complain about it, I think I'm like, just stop complaining. Like I like, just give me one thing, one thing where you not complain. Mm-hmm. But, but then I have to like, is it back? And go, you know, it's not about me. Like, it's not about like, I can enjoy the thing and not have to, I don't have to go and look at people's opinions about what it is, but like, it's not about me. It's about somebody else. No, and I think that's important, too. I think that, um, and I've seen this even in the Talking Comics forums, mm. because an- another person not liking the thing that you like cannot, should not spoil that you like the thing. Right. You know, you keep liking the thing. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. someone else liking it has no impact on you. They're yes. just presenting a different point of view to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um well, I think that's all we're going to talk about. This is like the longest podcast ever. Sorry. Nice. No, it's great. It was great. I wouldn't yes. let it keep going if it wasn't good. Um, so we're going to, I'll do the house cleaning very, very quickly. Um, <laughs> we're at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, podcast at Talking Comic Books.com. Um, listen to our podcast <laughs> Talking Games, Talking Movies, <laughs> Talking Valiant. The Misfits. I had to like <gasps> talking comics special edition, of course. I thought you went somewhere. Talking comics. No, I was yeah, just yeah. 
I was just getting them gathering. all set in in the line to knock down. I was like, oh no, he's broken. Like pins. <laughs> um, go join the forums, please. Comment and review the podcast on iTunes. It really helps with placement. Um, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve. Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Carolyn. I'm an email person. Okay. Sorry. Do you want to give your uh, email address? Sure. It's my last name and first initial. So C O C C A C at oldwestberry.edu. All right. Bob. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. One day we're going to make that your Twitter handle, just like we said. <laughs> Logan already <laughs> tweeted at it at one point. Just to, Really? <laughs> yeah. does, does that work? No, it doesn't work Good. if it does it. But this is, was really a funny, funny thing. It's too long. It's too long. It's way <laughs> too long. <laughs> it's like almost all the characters for the, for the tweet. Um,. Uh, support the Patreon if you guys want to check out the content there. Um, no brood and boarded this week because it's Fourth uh, of July weekend, but it will be back again uh, next mm-hmm. weekend. And uh, thank you everybody who who writes in about the books of the week. Thank everybody in- interacting with us. Um, we had a long podcast. Where we, t- we all talked this week. I think maybe next week we'll try to do maybe some listener question ah. stuff, a little mm-hmm. more focused on that. So get your questions in podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We got a shop too. We have a shop. It's, uh, there's a link on the website. Check that out as well. There you go. There's some shirts. Nice Carrots. t-shirts. t-shirts. Yes. Carolyn came Carol, in Carol, wearing a comics t-shirt. Carolyn's like, representing. Whoa. Representing. Cool. We've got Misfits stuff. we got Talking Comics stuff. I have stuff. a Misfits t-shirt too. <laughs> um, we got mugs. We've got iPhone cases. So check that out. Um, iPhone cases. <laughs> there's an iPhone case <laughs> yeah, out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, tote bags for the Misfits I've seen. Yeah, there's tote bags. Yep. There's pins. Uh, pins. Yeah, I think set of pins for I the Misfits. Um, well, you go on the shop and buy one. <laughs> I gotta buy it. I, gotta buy it. I, I have to buy it if I want it. I don't make them in my house. Where's some, a, comp? Where's some a, comp around here? It's a service. Where's the do we get swag for being on the uh, show, like on the Oscars? Yeah, whatever? that's why I moved it out of the, moved the recording out of my apartment because now we're just making mugs constantly. I won't be leaving with a bag of stuff tonight. No, no, no. no. Uh, There's no gift bags. Karen's uh, <laughs> one woman sweatshop. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's gonna do it for Talking Comics uh, for this week for Steve see you next week Bob hasta luego and Carolyn still hated still feared still standing (laughs) I have been Bobby until next time on Talking Comics to be continued continued